Yo, Circle Jerks, Wild in the Streets, 40th year anniversary of their vinyl has been re-released on Trust Records. It's remastered, it has bonus tracks, it has a 20-page booklet. You can catch Circle Jerks on tour right now. Shout out to my man Joey C. If you go to TrustRecordsCompany.com, you can get tickets, you can get merch, you can get vinyl. And use my code, TRUSTLIFE, all caps, T-R-U-S-T-L-I-F-E, and get 20% off. Make sure you cop that 7 Seconds merch and that remaster of the crew and my favorite albums. Also, they're on Instagram, trust underscore records underscore company. I love you, Trust Records. Thank you for preserving and making all the music I love available for years and years and years and bringing it back for all the new kids and new generation. Love y'all. So I recorded these interviews in 2019 with Chris Jones and Pete Kramiak. Uh, two good friends of mine who I grew up with in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, Verbal Assault was one of my favorite bands. Um, Trial is one of the most incredible records in my top five. Lyrically, musically, everything. Um, this band is so underrated. So I was going to wait until these guys played their first show in 30 years to drop it. And it was supposed to happen um, then the pandemic hit. But now they are playing uh, this week in Rhode Island. So I said, I need to drop these right now. So what you're going to get is two interviews. There'll be one, first one with Chris Jones, a singer, and the second one's Pete Kramack, the guitar player. Um, these are long. It's like three hours total, but it's a really great conversation. I'm pretty positive this is both their first podcasts. Enjoy. And welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast, everybody listening right now. If you've been listening to this podcast from the beginning, from the first episode, you know that this podcast is in chronological order of my life. It started with my mom. It started in Taunton, Mass., in Newport, Rhode Island. And many times I've mentioned this band as having a massive impact on my life and being um, kind of a pinnacle of hardcore and punk rock music to me. So it's a, it's a true fucking honor. I haven't spoken to this person in almost over 20 years Chris Jones, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. And I take that as a huge compliment, Tope. And so, yeah, it has to have been 20, I believe I saw H2O in Northampton when I was still at school at UMass. Really? Do you remember? No. Yeah, yeah, and so, and here's a little story I remember from it, um, because uh, at that point, let's see, I was roommates with uh, Roger Marbury and Colin Sears from Dag Nasty. We all wow. were going to UMass at the same time, and I remember we, we headed to the show, and uh, you gave a little, uh, gave nice shout-outs, and it said, <laughs> and we got uh, Colin and Roger here from Dag Nasty, and Chris Jones for Verbal Assault. And there was, that I clapped uh, very, come on, uh, you know, come vigorously on. or whatever, but it definitely <laughs> didn't get the DAG response. So, um, so no, I think that was the last time we saw each other, guy. Well, I, I, put, I put you, you're in my, you're in my top five of s songwriters, singers in the, in the hardcore scene that inspire me. You, it's with, you're with Ian, Kevin Seconds. Uh, Milo and Dagnas, you're in that top five for me as far as like influential songwriters, lyrics, everything. You, you are one of them, Chris. So, oh, cool. Uh, again, I take that as a huge, huge compliment, my friend. It is. So, I, I was trying to. So, what I like doing this podcast is kind of, you know, I'm talking to the people that inspired me in my life, and I like to hear kind of what inspired them. I kind, I kind of go back and then I bring forward to where you are now. But I remember definitely, I moved to, New, I moved to a Newport. It might have been, I'm thinking maybe in '83 when I was 13. Um, okay. I'm trying to figure that out. And I think that's, you know, your, the verbal assault demo didn't come out, I think till 84, if I'm correct. 
Yeah, so we, yeah, we just started jamming, like, uh, yeah, 1983, 1984, so, yep, right around that time. So, before I got there, how was your, how was your life growing up in, in, in Newport, and how, you know, how were you in school? Did you like school? Did you get good grades? Did you play sports? Like, what, what were you like in school? Yeah, so, I, uh, let's see, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of school. I really, <laughs> I, I, I really loved Newport, and yeah. uh, I guess there's a reason I'm still, you know, still living here or whatever, and, uh, you know, born and raised in Newport, and this is where I grew up, and, uh, you know, loved the place, and loved you know, uh, it's a very, <clears throat> and again, you can speak to this as well. I mean, Newport is a very, uh, it's a small town, but at the same time, it doesn't quite have that small town feel to it just yeah. because there's a lot of people coming and going. Like I can remember in high school, you know, you get a lot of uh, kids, uh, Navy kids, uh, rotating in and out. And, uh, and just the fact that, you know, Newport is pretty close, you know, kind of well situated on the East Coast. Yeah. You didn't you didn't get that like uh, feeling in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't like we were growing up on Block Island or anything like no. that, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I really I had a good childhood and enjoyed growing up here. I mean, again, one of the, the, the uh, wonderful things about Newport is it is so beautiful and yes. plenty of beaches and places to swim and uh, and things like that. So, uh, you know, really pleasant, uh, pleasant memories and experiences from that for the most part. Yeah. And um, so what was your what was your first exposure to music? Was that in school? Was it in high school? Or was it earlier than that? Yeah, so that was, so let's see. So, you know, if we, so we'll use like 83, 84 as kind of a jumping off point. Totally. Like that's when, um, let's see. Uh, so we had, <clears throat> so there were, there were folks older than us who were kind of more in punk rock, like more like 70s style punk rock outfits at the time yeah. and like so like uh like one person who was a huge kind of i don't want to say influence but really was an important like friend of ours was uh doug Ernest, who was yep. the drummer for you know the drummer for verbal assault but and he was a few years older than us so he was kind of like in some ways like um like the bridge between those, you know, like, yeah. he, he, like that's how we kind of got to know other musicians. Um, and he was in a great band called vicious circle at the time. And so there was, you know, and then there were, uh, you know, there'd be like the local skate shop, the local uh, yeah. record store. Um, you know, so the skate shop would have been uh, straight arrow skate shop. Um, and that was, uh, run by, uh, Pete Sargason, who was the yeah. guitar player for vicious circle. Yep. And then, uh, do records on, uh, on Broadway. And so that was kind of how we started getting exposed to, 
to to music, you know, and so and you know, uh, uh, back then when we all had cassette tapes, you know, you'd make mixtapes and yeah. and ch- change it with fr- you know, exchange them with friends. And you'd be like, wow, did you hear the you know this band Minor <laughs> Threat? Boy, you know this you got to hear this stuff, you know, and uh, you know, and and then kind of you know outside of the you know outside of the uh, city there would be like you read like maximum rock and roll um and and uh and things like that and kind of say like wow you know flip side magazine and, yep. you, and even like uh thrasher as well can yep. remember actually pete the guitar player for uh va um sold thrasher magazine uh copies of thrasher uh at, at high school that's awesome. And um and so that's when you kinda got the sense like, oh yeah, you know, there's a you know, it's not just a couple local bands or whatever or, or some yeah. you know, three bands from LA or something like that. This is really kind of like a bigger uh, bigger thing. Yeah. And then um and again, and I think you would agree with this as well, Tobe, is just you know, the older I get, the more I realize how blessed we were with so much good music around here and so many really good clubs, Yeah, you know, and, um, and I, and it's sort of, I always tell this story where, um, you know, it was like, kind of like on our, you know, when verbal self first started getting out on the road, you know, we'd be in like podunk nowhere, Texas or whatever. And you'd pull up and the kids would be all psyched. You know, they rented a VFW hall and they, you know, I can't believe you guys made it. Nobody's played here. Nobody's played here in years except for black flag. It was always black, you know, black flag always managed to play wherever, you know, wherever it was. And, and you would look around and you'd be like, wow, well, I'm glad we made it guys. And I'm sorry to hear you didn't, you know, uh, haven't seen a band in three years because uh, just last month I saw Husker Du, The Bad Brains, TSOL, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you, you name it or whatever, all at this, you know, all at the old living room. So the fucking one of the greatest clubs ever with one of the best sound systems mm-hmm. ever, you know, and it was yeah. just like, and, and that's not even to mention Lupo's or, Blue you know, yeah. the, the Blue Pelican or, you know, so mm-hmm. it's just like, again, I, I, I really, when we started traveling, I really, I realized very quickly, like, wow, we really made out like little bandits, you know? Yeah. And I think, and, and again, when we started touring, then some of that became a little more obvious, like, oh, yeah, look at that, because we're kind of like right there on the, you know, right there on the East Coast when bands are on tour, you need to play, you know, uh, in between Boston and New York, you know, of course, you stop in in Providence, you know, and yeah. so that was one of the reasons that we got to see so many fantastic acts, you know, yeah. and it was really, I mean, just, a, and again, it was, it was fun when we were doing it, and it was fun when we were going, but again, when I got a little older and wiser, it made me realize, like, holy moly, we, we again, we made out like bandits, man. Yeah, especially back then. I mean, it was before the internet, and it was just word of mouth and magazines and stuff like that. Exactly, and, exactly. You know, a lot of letter writing. You know, yes. you, uh, um, things like you know. So that was uh, and and so yeah. So the, the the word of mouth thing traveled a little more slowly, but at the same time, it kind of moved. You know, it kind of moved in the same 
the same way, you know, somebody yeah. would get, somebody would buy, someone would mail order an album, It's they really liked it, they'd pass it around to their friends, you know, in town or whatever, and so again, that was just like kind of very old school social networking, but that's uh, that's the way it happened. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so did you get into, did you get into skateboarding around the same time you got into punk rock? Because back then it kind of yep. went hand in hand, you know? Exactly. Sure did. Sure did. So that's exactly what we do. We, you know, I can remember, um, so, uh, uh, let's see, we used to, we used to skate over to Pete Sergison's place, his, you know, his parents' place, and they let Fish the Circle rehearse in the basement. Yeah. So we, on Fridays and Saturdays, we'd skate over there and watch those guys jam, and then they'd let us, you know, grab the equipment and bash around for a little while, taught us, like, you know, how to play Louie Louie and be like, wow, all right, this is great. We're doing it too or whatever. So, and then we'd all go skate downtown, you know? So, um, so yeah, the skate and especially, you know, especially around here, you know, skate, surf, you know, and the music stuff all, all, all really was pretty tightly wound together. Totally. I, I got, I got pictures. I'm going to send them to you now that we're in touch is that, uh, I got pictures of all you guys. I think you're shaving Fred Abong's hair in, in that same basement. We're all like, the we guys practiced. I had really cool photos. Oh yeah, from okay, sure, sure. Yep, and because and then when Verbal Assault, you know, started to get going, then we were lucky enough to, uh, you know, uh, my parents would put up with us while they were actually at work while we would rehearse. But um, awesome. we would, uh, you know, we uh, uh, Verbal would uh, jam, you know, at our place as well. So that was kind of like a little hangout, uh, you know, hangout gathering area too. Awesome. So, did you did verbal assault start while you were in high school, or that started after high school? Yep. Exactly. No, uh, we were we were in high school. In fact, I used to book shows at the living. I used to grab the hall pass like at two thirty in the afternoon or whatever, and use that to go and call uh, go to the payphone and call Randy at the living room because that's <laughs> when they would be booking show. You know, that's when somebody be in the office and he'd be like, yeah, you know, uh, channel three is coming through or whatever. Why don't you guys jump on that? You know, thing. So, um, no, we did, uh, you know, we, we didn't start touring till we got out of high school, yeah. but, um, we were definitely doing our thing while, you know, while we were in school. Yeah. And, and were you getting good grades? Like, did you like school? Did you want to? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I did, I did well in school and I was in kind of like, you know, accelerated programs and things like that. You know, high school was just kind of a bum, kind of a bum, you know, bummer. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> so horrible. It wasn't horrible by any means. And, and especially I can remember my senior year, I actually had some really good, uh, you know, really good classes, but yeah. it just, it, you know, it just, you kind of were ch- chafing at it, you know? And so we, we really couldn't wait to get out of there. And, and I definitely enjoyed myself in college and that was kind of definitely more of my, the feel. But, um, but you know, but again, uh, it, the high school wasn't a terrible, uh, experience by any means. Yeah. What was your major for college? Like, what did you want to do? Uh, let's see. So I, uh, when I went to UMass, I was, uh, a, a history major wow. and then, uh, yeah. And then a couple of years, uh, a couple of years ago, I went back to, um, 
a college in uh, Rhode Island called Johnson & Wales and um, got a bachelor's in accounting, actually. Nice. And so now I do a lot of uh, bookkeeping. Oh, wow. That's kind of my, uh, that's what pays the bills. So, that's awesome. yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of a funny story, too, because um, after VA broke up and I got out of college, I started, so, uh, sorry, to back up for a it's bit. okay. <clears throat> So some of our friends in high school were also in a band uh, called Throwing Muses. And, uh, you know, and those guys were great, completely different genre of music. But we we had always been friends through school because they were kind you know, we were the punk rock faggots. They were the art rock (laughs) faggots, you know. So I used to joke that to people that, you know, we used to get, you know, uh, Kristen and Tanya and I used to get beat up after high school, you know, after school together or whatever. Wow. And that's how we first met. But, um, but when, let's see. So when Tanya left the muses and formed a band called, uh, belly, oh, wow. she had, um, Tom and Chris Gorman who were friends of ours and who were briefly in verbal salt. Uh, so they, they formed the nucleus of belly. And so I started working with those guys and actually kind of worked my way up to tour manager when, when they were doing pretty well for themselves. Wow. And so I, one of my jobs with the, you know, with the tour managing was obviously to do all the expense reports the and, books, yeah. you know, and to keep track of the loot. And, uh, and so we did, they did some, you know, actually went around the world a couple times, you know, so I got back from one European tour, you know, and back then it was pre-Euro, so every, yeah. everybody had, you know, a thousand different currencies, but the uh, books came out really good, and the um, and their account, uh, Belly's account, manager's accountant at yeah. the time, I can remember him telling me, he was like, hey, you know, son, if, uh, you know, you could have a future in this if you wanted, this is great work, and I can remember thinking at the time, wow. like, yeah, right, Grandpa, sure, <laughs> that's like, that's ever going to happen, I got to get back on the tour bus, okay, part <laughs> hardy and so uh but you know a few years go by and uh you know and uh you know uh who knew who knew what was going to happen but um so yeah so that was kind of so this you know school you know definitely got a lot out of it um and uh and yeah i did uh did quite well actually grades wise and stuff like that yeah so so when you guys so all right, so the demo comes out. That's like eighty four, and then the masses demo cassette comes out eighty five. Correct? Yep, yep. And then so let's see, early eighty five is when the masses demo, and then in November of eighty five, that's when we went and recorded the Learn EP yes. at, at at Inner Ear, and so that was. Um, let's see. So at that point, let's see. Before, okay, so it must have been. It was the summer of eighty five. Pete drove seven seconds around on tour. I think it might have just been the East Coast. I can't remember. But in any case, um, that's when we kind of got to know seven seconds and those guys. And then, you know, Kev was like, hey, you know, I'd love to put out this EP on Positive Force. And so I believe sort of between Kevin and Pete, um, Pete had already known Ian any uh, before that that's how we kind of set up the inner ear thing yeah positive so that's force, how that yeah. happened 
Was Ian, Ian produced that? Was he a part of that or no? Yep. So Ian, produ- Ian produced that. Wow. And, um, and so, yeah, that was really, uh, that, was a, that was a trip because um, on the one hand, you know, it was a studio where all of this music that we had been listening to yes. had, you know, come out of. And you're like, oh, my God, this is, must be like going to Abbey Road Studios or something <laughs> like that. And you get there and it's still, and that's when uh, uh, Don was still in his uh is still had it in the basement of his house wow. so you get in there and there were like all the kids stuffed animals and board games and stuff like that <laughs> and then there would be the, the the booth and the uh you know the mic stand or whatever so it was kind of um so it was nice it was very homey or whatever but um but yeah we banged that out in a few days a few days wow and uh yeah and uh yeah you know, I, at that point we were pretty well rehearsed, so it was, uh, you know, it was good. It was a, it was a fine first EP, no complaints. Yeah, have you guys done some touring leading up to that, or do you guys have like a good following leading up to that first album? Yeah, I would say. Let's see. I'm trying to remember. Not really. So what was the other thing that I often point out to people is that what the huge, huge break for us, or at least the way I look at it, was when Seven Seconds had us open for them on their North American tour. So 86, 87, no, 85, 86, just might have been 86. But in any case, that was huge because... People really didn't know who we were then, mm-hmm. and being able to play in front of these relatively big crowds yeah. was a huge, huge opportunity for us. And not only that, and it's the one thing that really drove it home was uh, just being on tour and playing every night. Yes, man, that makes you that, or at least it does for us. At least it did for us. It made us a much, much better band you know all around probably personality friendship tightness everything right yeah exactly you know and and the thing and and it was funny too because we didn't even you know we didn't see it just because we're playing every night but when we got back to the east coast i can remember we were like at tt uh the the boston show was at tt's and um I remember, like, Al Quinn from Suburban Voice fans, he came up, and he was like, holy shit, what happened to you guys, or whatever, this, <laughs> you sound great, or whatever. and it was like, well, I don't, I don't know, uh, Al, we, all we do is just play six days a week, you know, and it's like, <laughs> duh, you know, that, but, you know, so it was, you know, so that was, that was huge, it was like, I think it was like, in my mind, like that tour was seven seconds. That was kind of the beginning. That was like the transition from, yeah, we're a good local band and we, you know, we play in Providence and we went up to Boston, you know, one time, blah, blah, blah. And then that, and then sort of after that tour, that's when I think it was like, oh, okay, something, something special's going on here. This is good. You know, we, sh- we gotta, we gotta roll with this. Yeah. I think it was the new one tour for them, wasn't it? Maybe. Um, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, that's I right. That. Yeah, that was a great tour. Yeah, so, and they were, and they were great too. That Let's see, so Joe was playing bass at that point. Um, and it was, uh, and they, you know, they're just the nicest bunch of guys. They that are, we, um, uh, had, let's see, our friend, um, let's see, our friend Jason Schrager, who's friends with Martin Sprouse, um, 
let's see, we uh, so he was along with Seven Seconds as well. It was just a great crew. Yeah. It, we, we just I have really great memories of like uh, bombing. We're like all twelve of us bombing around uh, New Orleans and stuff, and and, then awesome. were, and you know back then the you know the you uh, you know the drinking age was eighteen down in Louisiana. So we were like, oh my <laughs> god, you mean we can just walk in and order a overpriced hurricane or whatever, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But um. You know, just had it, it was just a great, great time, and again, that's what kind of I think uh, kind of launched us into something a little bigger. Yeah. So, did you guys tour on that Learn record for a long time after that, or you just went right to the next record? Uh, let's see. So, right after, pretty much right after that, we went in and did trial, and so that was another thing too. Is like at that point. So let's see. Yeah, because before that. Before that tour, we pretty much had all the songs from Trial written. Wow. And so we were just playing them every night. So when we finally did get into the studio, you know, if I, you know, I remember basically doing everything. We, it seemed like we did everything in one take, you know, Damn. it was just like, it was really, really smooth. And cause we, you know, we just had the, we had the songs down pat. Um, so yeah, so that was, yeah. So it was like after that tour, that's when we got into the studio and did trial. Were you like, uh, at that point after the seven seconds tour and coming home and stuff, did you guys go back to your, like, your regular jobs or did you feel like you were just going to, only do music or anything like that? Or? Yeah, that was, I mean, the thing was, we were, so we were also, you know, again, Doug was Young. like, Doug's like uh, three or four years older than us, but you know, yeah. we we're still in our teens basically. And, and in some ways that was great because there, it was very easy to dedicate yourself full time to the music because totally. you're living at mom's house and you don't have to worry about your job. And, you know, um, you know, you might have a, a girlfriend or whatever, but it's not like you got, you know, a family. So, uh, so in that sense, we really had a lot of, uh, a lot of freedom, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so, and so that was, you know, I think that was a really key thing. I, I, I sometimes I think about like, wow, I wonder how things would have turned out if we had started all this, you know, five, ten years later down the line, you know, mm. where, you know, there would have been a lot more commitments and things wouldn't have been as easy to just say like, hey, let's uh, throw everything in the van and go on a tour, you know? Yeah. Um, Mike, well, well, I consider you a really incredible lyricist. And as we get into like the trial record, obviously there's some like uh, Backstab and Gray and The Pain and Personal Edge on the demo. All those, I loved all those songs as well. But and were you like a writer in school? Like, did you write poetry? Like, where did you get your writing from? Yeah, um, let's see. I grew up, uh, let's see. Well, my dad's a journalist, so gotcha. definitely, you know, he wrote for the uh, for the Providence Journal for, for many, many years. And uh, so definitely grew up in a writing household. Yeah. Um, never really a big poetry person. And to be honest, it's like sometimes I kind of wonder, like, where the hell did those lyrics come from? You know, because it's just, <laughs> I, I never, I, it wasn't, especially easy for me to write lyrics and they didn't really 
flow out of me. Yeah. But at the same time, I look back on him and I'm like, oh yeah, all right, that was pre- that's pretty cool. And then actually a nice little story. Uh, so uh, before my mom retired, she was working at a nonprofit called Rhode Island Housing up in Providence. And I, uh, I can remember I was in Providence one day and stopped by her office and she had the uh, first stanza from uh, Anger Battery hanging on her wow. um, uh, on her uh, cubicle wall or whatever. And I was like, yes, mom, That's amazing. you know, mom's got some lyrics up there or whatever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I don't, you know, I, I, again, I, I, I hate when people kind of get all, you know, like, well, you know, who can really say what, you know, how I wrote those lyrics or whatever, you know, yeah. it's like they did, they, they happened and I'm glad they did because again, I, I'm not sure exactly where a lot of that came from. Um, but, uh, but I'm glad, but people, you know, I'm glad that people are, you know, have been inspired by them and, and, and appreciate them, you know? Yeah. It seems like it'd be very therapeutic to write a, a lot of those songs on the trial record. There's so many like Deep song. I mean, maybe, maybe they weren't to you, but obviously to people listening to them, they got a, their own way of like interpreting the lyrics. But like, there's so many like that song. Like, not not to like jock you, but I'm gonna jock you. But like, trial, understand every song, running, never stop, heal, uh, scared with the piano, fucking R. All that shit was just so ahead of its time lyrically and musically, man. Even Pete Creamy ass guitar sounds like. Yeah, just yeah. listening to his records now. Just, to me, Trial is like a masterpiece, like in, 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 in the hardcore historic books of music. You know? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, and 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 I, I mean, we really did when we set out to record Trial. We really wanted it to be a big, a big sounding album. You know, because mm-hmm. we felt like the songs were were there, and and we really wanted them to come across, and. Uh, and so much of that is the fact that that it turned out that uh, you know the rest of the band were all real musicians. You know, maybe they didn't know it at the time, but then you know, but then Dylan went ahead and 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 studied jazz bass in the at the University of Maine, and, wow. and Doug Doug plays in tons of different bands uh, locally. I mean, those guys are you know real musicians, and yes. and I think that I think that came through in in the songwriting you know i mean if i have i have very few regrets about va but one of them is that we did not write more songs together because i just think that we had that that was such a uh special uh you know a special group of people that it's like i mean and the reason we didn't write more songs because we were always going on tour which i loved and i learned so much from that so it's like eh, who who can really say but um you know it's just like those guys were good and they knew what they were or even if they didn't know what they were doing they had the right sense and then they went to school and it's like oh okay yeah that's what i was doing all along you know so um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think that, that you know, definitely is the, the, the quality of the, um, the quality of the songwriting, I think, is what was really, uh, you know, what really helped make things stand out, you know, and at that point, too, like, I can also remember, like, a lot of this, <clears throat> I wrote some kind of, like, a little brief history of the band slash liner notes, which I have sitting in a drawer and keep meaning to, to, to put out to the world or whatever. So a lot of this will is kind of from that. 
But um, I can also remember, uh, let's see, in the seventh uh, in the, during the Seven Seconds tour, that's when I Against I came out. Oh wow! And, yeah, you know, and we and we wore that. We had to have like six different versions of that cassette <laughs> because we would just wear it out in the van. That thing got listened to ad nauseum. But I mean, that was that was like a really important album for us because, like, all of a sudden we we're like. Okay, you don't have to. It's like I, I think one of the way I put it one time was like, this is when we stopped confusing speed with power. Yes. you know, and, and, and suddenly you're like, oh yeah, you don't have, you can go a million miles an hour, but sometimes if you don't, that's even better, you know. Totally. And so that's when that was like that album, like really changed the way we looked at at, at making that that kind of music, you know. So would that be a, that be a big influence on the Tri record? Yeah, I would say so. And then even more than as time went on, you know, you could yeah. hear that in like um, like uh, immersion on immersion. the on EP. Yep. You know that that definitely has a little eye against eye feel to it. You know, like reignition. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I would say that was you know that was a huge influence. The Boston bands when we were starting out were huge. The DC stuff definitely all throughout, you yes. know. And then, um, but also too, what was I think? And here's another thing, and this is another thing about Newport specifically as well is that because Newport was a small place, but there were still a lot of different bands that people tended to mingle a lot more, mm -hmm. you know? So it wouldn't be like in New York City where you kind of hang out with the kids who were into hardcore and then the kids who were into death metal hung out at the death metal club, you know, or whatever. And, um, and so I think that really helped keep, help broaden people's kind of musical horizons or whatever. Yeah. And then also like, you know, and I can remember like Dylan, like had very eclectic musical taste. So I could, we, I can remember we used to make fun of his, uh, his, he had one cassette in the van that had like Kiss on one side and the Beatles on the other or whatever. And it's like, put, put Dylan's Kiss Beatles tape back in or whatever. But, you know, so it, there was always, he was always listening to a lot of different kinds of music as well. And That's I cool. think that probably, that probably helped push the band kind of past like kind of more of the usual hardcore, you know, formula. Yeah, were you, were you, ever, were you ever just a kid just like, oh my, only listen to punk rock and hardcore the whole time, or you always listen to other things? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much listen to punk rock and hardcore, but, you know, yeah. like growing up, uh, you know, my folks would have, you know, they had their Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel and Joni yeah. Mitchell records and stuff like that, and so we, you know, listened to that a lot growing up. Um, but yeah, it was, a, you know, for me specifically, it was definitely, uh, definitely a, a punk rock thing, but like I said, you know, um, having friends you know, like Dylan, yeah. you know, in the band, uh, that definitely helped. I can remember, you know, like, um, like, uh, before practice when he, you know, he's like, you gotta hear this metal band, dude, Metallica, ride the lightning. <laughs> he's all, but listen to the, you know, and then, and again, that, that was great about hanging out with Dylan. Um, 
Let's see what was awesome. for whom the bell tolls. Yep. And they all listen. There's not even a guitar solo in this, and it's like, oh yeah, that's cool, you know. And I mean, <laughs> so it it was really again. That's how you know uh, if 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 you're looking for a reason that VA made the music that it did. Again, I would put a lot of it to to to, to Dylan and Doug and Pete. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. And then. What about going from how did the positive like leaving positive force to giant records happen? That just just happened. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So with uh, so with Kev, I mean, positive force, it was great. There's yeah. No complaints. I mean, I never really made any money from it yeah. or anything, but just having it out on positive force, just in the same way of being able to tour with Kevin and those guys, I think definitely helped. Perfect. Yeah. People, you know, people probably gave it a, 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 you know, gave it a chance maybe that they wouldn't have if yeah. it was like, you know, it, you know, just like when you have any any label that you respect, you know, totally. it's like if it's the Revelation if, uh, Records, all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, Discord, yeah. all that. So, um, and then with Giant, let's see. So with that, so at that point, Giant was. Giant had really signed a lot of cool bands. Yeah. So so GIs was on. That's right. Um, Uniform Choice, Dag Nasty. Um, wow. You know. So and it was yeah. So it was kind of it was kind of like I think they were trying to again uh, you know make a label with maybe I don't you know you can't really put a label on it but you know something again a little more progressive as yeah, far yeah. as the music goes you know so that's how that's how we kind of ended up with them and and that was it, it was fine I mean yeah. it just kind of you know we we put out that we, you know we put out trial and then a seven inch and then just kind of parted ways it in kind of murky circumstances you know it never really <laughs> there was never really anything um you know, uh, signed or whatever. Oh, wow. You know, we just say, it, it just kind of, we just stopped talking to them. They stopped talking to us. <laughs> and then that was that. So, uh, um, awesome. and easy. then after that, we, uh, the remaining stuff we put out, uh, we put out ourselves. So, so, so when trial comes out, was there like a lot of excitement back then? I mean, there was no internet back then. I'm sure. No, people... not really. I mean, it was like it kind of got a shitty review in in Maximum Rock really? and Roll, and and it was because I, I, you know, again, I think that album was kind of ahead of its time too. Hundred percent. You know, if I'm going to pat myself on the back or whatever. Um, so people didn't really know what to make of it, you know. Mm. They thought it was okay, you know, and um, wow. and that was fine. It, it is, it was what it was. I mean, I, the thing is, you know, and again, you'll you can relate to this, Tove. I mean, we, I do really wonder what would have happened if all of this had happened just a few years later. I agree. Like I can really specifically remember. Like I remember one. Let's see, this must have been eighty nine. Yeah, probably 88-89 we're touring the states and Europe and at that point Tad and Nirvana were kind of like hot uh, on our heels or they were like a couple weeks they were always like a couple weeks ahead of us like on wherever we were on tour. Wow. And you know, and you can remember the first, you know, Bleach Bleach came out and you're like, yeah, that's cool, whatever, you know, I like the you know, sub pop things okay. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, but at the same time 
we were just like, well, you know, we're a hardcore band and we'll always be a hardcore band. And, you know, it's not like they'd ever put that stuff on MTV now or whatever. And then I can remember very specifically sitting in Northampton with Roger and and Colin and, uh, oh, okay, right, because then at that point they're like, hey, uh, Dave Grohl, uh, you know, he's out sleeping on Kurt's couch. He's, uh, you know, he's in Nirvana now. And I remember thinking like, okay, well, at least I have a decent drummer now, you know. <laughs> and then we're all sitting in Northampton or whatever, and on comes, you know, smells like Teen Spirit. And we're just like, holy shit, Damn. what the hell is happening here, you know. And, yeah. then, you know, uh, and so who knows if, uh, you know, what would have happened if we had, stuck it out a little longer or whatever but um but again you know i mean that's neither here nor there you know i feel like we had a good time and and that's whatever but it is hard it is easy to imagine especially after all that stuff broke that um it was like oh yeah things could have gone a little differently who knows 100 percent um so you guys i remember seeing i remember obviously going to the uh trial tour in dc i think and um so was that, was that record where we see when you started touring on it though, minus the review and Maximum Rock and Roll? Yeah, yeah. I mean, people were, you know, at that point, like we had kind of, we had kind of like the way I describe the way I describe VA to people who like a coworker, like someone who isn't into music, and <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you were in a band, and, and I'd say like, yeah, if you were into like the the. I would try and describe our popularity as, as like, if you like that genre of music, you definitely knew who we were. Yes. But, you know, I don't want to say like we were like, re you know, we invented this genre of music or we were the yeah. kings of the hill or whatever. It's yeah. like, if you, if you were into it, you knew who we were and you probably saw us on tour or whatever, but yeah. it wasn't like, you know, it, it certainly in, 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 and there were certainly people who were loyal fans and 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 people came to see us and we really appreciated it but it wasn't like um holy moly something's going on here we're we're this huge outfit or whatever i mean yeah. that, that definitely did not ever feel feel that way and again that was fine too you know i mean in a way it was kind of nicer you know uh i mean the other thing like touring with belly like uh, you know, and I love those guys to death. You know, they're all great. Some of my, some of my best friends. Yeah. But in some ways, I could. It was also like, okay, you can kind of see where, like, not. I don't want to say rock star, but it's just where the uh, things get big enough so that there's enough kind of barriers around, yes. so that it gets harder and harder to actually see people and then when you yep. do see people they're so excited to see you because you were on the cover of rolling stone that they want to talk to you for eight hours mm. you know and, and i was just like no thank you you know it's like yeah. i don't <laughs> you know it's it's like well I'm, I'm neither rich nor famous but if i had to choose i would definitely rather be rich you know because i don't yeah. famous doesn't really do it for me i yeah. don't feel like having everybody know exactly who you are and what's going on in your life at every second <laughs> and you, you i mean you've been pretty much off the, you've pretty much been off the grid for a long time for music though right yeah so i mean my thing is is that while while the rest of the band were all real musicians and they they 
we're going to be, they'll be buried, you know, Doug will be buried with his drumsticks and, yeah. you know, deal with his bass and stuff. Music was, that was more something I just kind of fell into and mm. it wasn't my, uh, my passion. It was really important part of my life, but it wasn't something that I figured I would continue doing. Um, so yeah. So at that point, you know, so then I, I kind of drifted off and I, you know, again, I don't, it's not like, it's not like, um, it's not like I turn my nose up at things. Yeah. And in fact, I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm so, uh, heartened and happy to see that there's, you know, that things are still going on and, and just as strong as ever. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, just personally, I don't really go to a lot of gigs. I mean, ironically, uh, there is a, uh, a venue owned by a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Uh, Eric Boofish Barkley. Boofish, yes. <laughs> yeah, the boo. And so Shout out uh, his place, the parlor, is, dude, it's literally two houses uh, away from me. I can I can open up my uh, my shades right now and see, the, uh, and see the parlor. And so there'll be shows there. You know, and I'll go and check them out, uh, yeah. you know, and, and stop in and say hi. But I don't really uh, I don't really go to a lot of gigs or or buy a lot of music these days. But again, that's much more of a personal thing than yeah. a uh, than a judgment on 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 what bands are doing these days. Yeah. So did um. so after the trial record cycle was done touring and stuff that you guys. Did you guys put Tiny Giants out after that, or you guys broke up before that? Yeah, okay. so at that point, let's see. So then, uh, let's see. So what happened? Okay, that so after Trial came out, after yeah. Trial came out, Doug and Dill left the band, and that's when Chris and Tom Gorman came in. Gotcha. And, yep, and so we jammed with those guys for a while. We never recorded with them, but then we went on one uh, disastrous winter tour together, and, uh, and, um, and uh, didn't and after that didn't really speak to each other for uh, for <laughs> for a while. Or what, happened, what was the tour? Uh, was it a bad book tour or something? Or? It was just one of those tours where it's like you get stuck in a snowdrift and then uh. the show gets canceled and, and whatever. It, it it wasn't all awful by any means. <laughs> actually, we played a lot of good shows with Agnostic Front. That oh, nice. Actually, yeah, that was actually a lot of fun um, hanging out with those guys. But then, um, so when after. Tom and Chris split, then Doug came back, and at that point, we were looking around for a bass player, yeah. and so we met this guy, Darren, who actually, we stayed at his place in Lawrence, Kansas, when we were on tour, and so we asked Darren to come and join, and so he was brave soul that he was, he packed his, packed his stuff up, relocated wow. to Newport, start, yeah, started learning the songs, and then we, uh, and then we took off from there, and then that's when, in 88, that's when we went to Europe for the first time. Wow, you didn't, uh, didn't go on the trial record either? I'm sorry? You didn't go to Europe on the trial record, or anything, or learn? No, no, wow. the trial had been out, yeah, let's see, what happened, so the thing with the European tour, that kind of just fell into our laps, because... If memory serves, Pete would know more about, Pete would remember this better, but I believe Blast nice. had a European tour set up, but they had to bail on it. So the tour was kind of all in place. They just needed another band, so wow. they asked us. Yeah, so we felt, we kind of, it was especially at that point, 
you know, uh, people were just hungry for uh, American bands. You totally. know, it didn't matter who, didn't matter who it was. So it was like blast, verbal assault, whatever. Just get up on stage. <laughs> so, um, so that's how that happened. So that was so at that point, trial hadn't wasn't out in Europe yet. So, oh, wow. okay. so yeah, we didn't. So that was really just kind of touring on uh, goodwill of the people who'd come to see us. So, <laughs> and that went pretty good. Is that went good? That was great. That's that was, awesome. Europe was a really changed. Um, I mean, it was just such a fantastic. Just the traveling and yeah. then and just the experience and getting to meet the different people and um, the different countries. We got to go. Uh, we you know went to the former Yugoslavia. Awesome. Um, you know, and then in '89 when we went, and this is this is crazy because this we just had the 30 year anniversary of this. So we were, let's see, okay, we were going to try and go play in Russia. Russia fell through, not for anything political, just, yeah. you know, visas or whatever. So we had done some shows in Poland, and so then we, what we did was hightailed it back to West. It's like, okay, well, the Russian shows didn't work out, so now we have like a week to ourselves. So we hightailed it back to uh, West Berlin. And we just uh, hung out West Berlin for a week, which was awesome. Nice. And um, but we stayed in this uh, this section of town called Kreuzberg, which yeah. is kind of like the Lower East Side, you know. Of, it still of is West kind Berlin. of. Yeah, it still is. Yeah. You know, and um, but right next to the Berlin Wall, wow. you wake, we could wake up every morning. We see it, and uh, you know, and go walk up the little platform and look. And there used to be, you could see little bunnies, little rabbits running along the uh, running inside oh, wow. the DMZ or whatever. That's awesome. Then we take off to Italy because the tour starts back up. One week later, Berlin Wolf comes down. So thir- pretty much 30 years ago last week, Holy right? And we shit. were in Europe then. So we managed to miss every world historical event that had been that happened in Europe during that time. So you're well, you know. Wow. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> so crazy. Uh, the way, and so we, of course, no, you know why? And in fact, Gorilla Biscuits were over there. Oh shit! At the same time. That's 89, right? It was 89, I think. Yeah. Yeah, 89, so they were smart enough to uh, haul ass to Berlin, so I believe they actually got to see people dancing on the thing and and ripping it down and stuff like that, but so... I, I I like to tell people I was one of the last people to see the the entire Berlin Wall <laughs> there before it fell. I yeah, that's good. Happened to miss the actual world historical event, you know, twenty minutes after we you know got on the autobahn or whatever. Wow. So, yeah, pretty pretty trippy. And then also too, I mean, again, that was because on that tour we went back to Yugoslavia, and this time we played in Sarajevo, and so at that point. You'd only known, you know, we'd only heard of Sarajevo because the, Olymp- the Olympics were there, I think, yep. probably in the 80s or something. So you were like, wow, you know, like this this will be like Stad or, you know, be going to like Zurich. And instead it was like going to Detroit in the mountains or whatever. It was just kind of dirty and grimy. And it was a good show and stuff. But again, very shortly after that, you know, by 1991, 
you had all the Serbian militias, you know, up in the mountains and stuff, picking people off on that's the, right. you know, I mean, that's when things really got ugly, you know, in Yugos, you know, what was left of Yugoslavia. Yeah. And I can remember talking to Pete at some point, he's like, yeah, dude, think about it. You know, a lot of those kids at the, who, was at, who were at that show are like dead or in the army at this wow, point, you know, and it was heavy. like, yeah, it is heavy, you know, but I mean, it was, it just shows, again, this history turning you know yeah, yeah. and um just goes to show you you never you never know when it's going to happen either you know because uh it wasn't like at that time i mean you knew things were going you know things were bubbling up you know yeah. and, and, and things were happening in eastern europe and you would hear you know the, the radio would be on and you know we'd be somewhere in germany and so the radio would be on and you could hear you know, uh, the kids we were staying with were talking to each other and saying, like, wow, this is kind of weird or whatever. But I, I don't think anybody really expected what was what was about to happen, you Damn. know, and we certainly weren't. Not at all. So pretty amazing when you look back on it. Yeah. So would that be the would that be one of the last tours for you guys? That was 89? Uh, let's see. So 89. Yeah, pretty much. So then after that, we on went came out. Sco- right. Yeah, we went to, you know, we put out on. Uh, let's see, you know, we recorded on 89 right before, uh, summer of 89 while we were on tour and then before we went to Europe. And then after that, we got back and then that's when Pete and I had started going to school. Mm. And it was kind of at that point where we were like, you know, eh, maybe we've kind of like, you know, shot our wad or whatever. And, or, you know, this is kind of maybe run his course. Pete was feeling like he wanted to do something different musically. So I think at that point, that's when we said, all right, let's go out in style here. Let's get Dill, let's get, see if Dill wants to, you know, take it home here. And so then we kind of got back to get, you know, uh, you know, got things in gear to go record. We recorded the Exit EP, and then we did some last uh, East Coast shows. And then uh, last show was August... 23rd, 1991, at the beautiful wow. and sadly missed Blue Pelican in Newport, Rhode Island. Again, right down the street from where I'm talking to you right now. Wow, man. 1991. You know, tell me about it, dude. Tell me about it. And even, like, again, when I was watching the, um, you know, the footage of the of uh, Berlin, you know, 30 years ago, again, it was like, dude, you were there three decades ago if you had a kid then the kid would be a grown man at this point you know it's just like it's so it's so getting older is such a crazy thing sometimes you know it really is man and um and again i um you know personally i'm loving it i'm happy but it is uh astonishing sometimes to look back and um and realize that it has been quite a long time and again that's what really, really impress. Uh, really makes me grateful that people are still into the music. Yes. And, um, and, and you know, and it's like, okay, we were doing so. You know, we must have been doing something right if uh, if this stuff's still uh, cruising. You know, cruising along like it is right now. Yeah, and still connecting to people too. Now, looking looking at the songs like "Anger Battery" and "Exile" and "Immersion" and their talk, all that, and then and not even connecting the fact that "Eye Against Eye" was a big. Now look at those songs. I'm like, oh, now I totally get it. Like all the the breakdowns, all like this. Yeah, just the vibes of those songs, man. It's yep makes a yep, lot of sense no. now, man. Exactly. No, definitely, definitely. And um, you know, again, it was like it just 
not having to go a million miles an hour. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'd like, you know, that I mean, hey, you know, uh, um, you know, the bad brain stuff before then was a million miles an hour. Yeah. Some of the best hardcore ever produced, but it was just, um, just again, the combination of uh, maybe learning a little more about you know, playing the music and then listening to a lot of different kinds of music. Yeah. And it was like, okay, you know, let's, you know, you can have different tempo, you know, it's okay to have a different tempo. Yeah. And in fact, sometimes a slower tempo can really work to your advantage, you know? hundred percent. Even Tiny Giants with the Ray game, the Tiny Giants too. Yeah. And and that was the thing too. We listened to a lot of reggae as well. And we're always hugely influenced by, uh, by the clash, you know, I I have to, you know, clash is probably my favorite band of all time. Probably, you know, I would tell my mom, like mom and dad, like, I'm like, yeah, like London calling, like that's probably like our exile on main street or the white album or Mm, something, you know, just, just just the touchstone where you're like, holy shit, there is just not a bad song on this album, and it's just everything, you know. But um, so that was a, so that was a big influence as well. Yeah. And then it was like, and the reggae stuff, and that, it was nice too because it was like, that's something you could listen to in the van, you know, totally. driving away from the show or whatever. Yeah. Being pounded, you know, with another eight hours of hardcore music. <laughs> know. You know, it's just a good, like a good antidote, you know. So, uh, so that's that's where that came from. Yeah, there's, that's an under that's an undergoing underlining theme of all these podcasts where people play hardcore and punk rock. It's like people think that they only listen to that type of music that they get into the van and then they play like a bunch of hardcore while they're driving. When in fact, people just want to kind of relax and. You know what I mean? In between yeah, the shows. Yeah, and... exactly. No, I can remember. I can remember Colin. Uh, we would. Uh, I can remember Colin Sears and I trading tour stories or whatever, and and he would. We were laughing about like you know you wake up in the morning and. Staying at some kid's house or whatever, and the first thing he'd do is put on a hardcore album. It's true. I'm like, hey, come on! I just had a, you know, I still need a cup of coffee here. You know, let's <laughs> we don't need to jump right into it right at seven in the morning. You know, it's but, so I mean, true. Again, it's like, hey, if that's what floats your boat, then you know, go for it. But, um, but yeah, I just um, what was I going to say? And then uh, also too, I guess um, for me, it's also fun to see people who are still out there who like never stopped doing it. You know, I was yep. just, in fact, actually my friend, Brian's uh, friend, Brian Simmons and I, uh, Brian does atomic action records and nice. we released uh trial. I saw that. Um, I saw that. We were having a, um, let's see, we were having a John Bannon, uh, appreciation conversation nice. the other day where it was just, we were just, cause he was, he's, he seemed like negative approach, you know, reunion tour, like 8,000 shows or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, that man has never been in a bad band. You know, it's just like <laughs> a negative approach. I mean, tied down. That was such a classic album and, and laughing hyenas were great. And then easy action's good. You know, it's like, yeah. and that guy never stops fucking touring, you know, and yeah. he, he has to be you know, at least two or three years older than I am, you know? So it's just like, it's very cool to see that as well. So did, so do you miss, did you, do you miss it now or did you miss it? Back then, when you stopped playing music and stopped touring, was it easy for you uh, to transition? It, yeah, not really. I mean, the the funny thing was, it's like for me, it's like I went back to school and then I got back 
got right back on tour with Belly, you know. So oh, yeah, it was yeah. like, yeah, you know, and so not only that, but I mean, at that point, that's when like Feed the Tree came out and they were doing really well for themselves on the cover of Rolling Stone. And so they were on tour constantly. And then, and then by, um, so it's like, in some ways, I'd never really stop zipping True. around, you know, yeah. except now I got to do it in a tour bus and, and they were opening <laughs> for REM in Europe and stuff. So it was really, wow. you know, extra cool or whatever. And yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, I, like I always tell the Tom and Chris, you know, it's like, you know, obviously Verbal Assault was a big, you know, the big deal for me just because it was the band, you know, the band and, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I said, like, you know, some of the most fun I ever had was, you know, you know, bombing around the world with you guys and doing all this crazy stuff, you know. So it was just a, you know, very nice experience all in all. So so when did that stop? And did you, like, when's the last time? You've been off tour for a long time now, though, right? Yeah, so no, no, now it's been many, many moons. So those guys, uh, let's see, Belly broke up in 1995, I think. Wow, okay. But again, have gotten, not only did those guys get back together, but they put out this awesome, awesome album last year, you know. So, oh, wow. Uh, again, very inspiring, you know. Uh, they, they did... Uh, really great and so and they'll, they'll you know they have uh you know they have families and stuff like yeah. that but they, they've been out on tour for a while but no i've been very much uh since then i don't i hardly leave equinic island dude i wow. like um you know so and that's that's fine by me i'm you know again i'm i'm, I'm happy to kind of stick around but um yeah so very little uh very little traveling on this end yeah do you do you, uh do you miss playing or writing or have the urge to make new songs or? Uh, not really. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, I have to say no. I, um, and again, that more comes from, and it's not like it's, uh, repulsive to me or anything yeah. like that, but it kind of just gets back to the thing where like, you know, the, the other guys in the band, they were the, they're musicians. Yeah. And I think they were always, always want to play music. And for me, nah, it just doesn't, you know, it, it, it's important. It was a really important part of my life, but it doesn't feel like a, um, uh, uh, a calling or something. Yeah. I, I feel like trio is, way more got way more appreciated way later and i feel like i feel like verbal saw in my opinion and you don't have to agree because it's obviously your band but is one of the most underrated bands i feel from from our 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 world and our scene i feel like because it was so ahead of its time and because of the songs you were writing and what you're singing about just everything about it i just feel like it's it's so underrated and i i i try like we you know we we uh we covered scared and like I I always yep. I always want to push my roots and stuff that inspired me. I, we try to push the verbal salt as much as we can because it, it was such an impact. And for you, it was just a record you made with your friends, and it wasn't like you were trying to do this for your career. It was some songs that you wrote at that moment in your life. And like you said, you weren't like a musician. Your friends were, and it is something you did. But for so many other people, it's such a, a massive impact, man. Yeah, no, I hear it. And I mean, and I guess, and that's also just a kind of difference. That's all perspective as well. You know, yeah. when you're that close to it, 
you don't see it, you know, it's like, kind of like, yeah, it's the trial album. What do you want, dude? You know, <laughs> um, but, uh, but again, that's where a little distance, you know, uh, again, I don't want to, I don't want to make us into, you know, uh, the greatest band you never heard of or whatever. But, um, <laughs> but I do, I do think we, we were ahead of our time, you know, and, oh, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, and that's neither here nor there. It would have been interesting if, uh, if we had been, instead of being ahead of the t- ahead of our time, that we had been in the time <laughs> that uh, you know that people were appreciating that kind of stuff. I mean, again, who knows? You know, after after uh, Nevermind came out, yeah, who knows? But again, you know, that's kind of it makes me. But it does really, really, you know. Uh, give me a ton of gratitude that people still do look at that album as kind of a touchstone, you know, and, yes. and I'll get very nice letters when people say like, you know, this album brings back a lot of good memories and, and, and I just, and I put it on the other day and, or I thought of it the other day and dug it out and put it on just, wow, this thing stands the test of time. It and it really it's like, does. Yeah, you know, it's just like, all right, man, that he, he couldn't, uh, a 51 year old man could not ask for anything nicer, you know? That's yeah. something that we did when we were in our teens and 20s, you know, still seems to like uh, touch people, and that's really important. 100%. So, so would we ever see a verbal assault reunion? No comment, but it, uh, it uh, might wow. be happening. So, yep. Well, I need so to know. I, I, I need to know in advance I so I can book a flight. I need to yeah, weigh in right. advance, my I friend. Uh, I can't go any further into it, uh, but it is not out of the realm of possibility. So wow. Uh, yep. So hold. You've heard it here first, and I probably already <laughs> said too much. But um, and I'm making absolutely zero promises, but uh, something may be in the works. So. Well, I need to know about that first name because I live in the West Coast. Depending where it is, I have to fly, so I will be there with bells on. Um, All right, no problem. Do, no problem. We'll uh, look forward to uh, <laughs> you know everybody. Every if it does happen, you know, believe me, everyone's going to know about it. So, yeah. Uh, wow. So man. Keep, yeah. So just, but again, it's uh, it's. Um, you said it maybe. You said be, maybe. Might be in the works. Yeah. So. Um, do you have any regrets? Yeah, so just the, uh, like, kind of like what I touched on before, you know, wish we wrote some more, you know, wish we wrote more songs and recorded more. But again, at the same time, the reason we didn't do that is that we were always on tour. And just like we talked about, yeah, we did all the got to do all these cool, crazy things. So, you know, that's, that's my main, that's my main regret. But other than that, I have to say, I'm very happy and I'm especially happy that we kind of decided to go out on a good note yeah. and so that there wasn't any stupid, you know, 18 different versions of VA and, you know, but the singer hates the guitar player. Yep. Now they're each in different bands called, one's called verbal, the other's called assault. It's <laughs> in legal, you know, they each have, you know, Pete and I have lawyers, uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Still um, friends. You know that 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 makes a big difference to me, um, and I think that that is why I definitely look back on the band with very fond memories. Precisely yeah. because we said, "All right, you know what? If we don't feel like doing this anymore, let's let's do some shows. Let's say goodbye." And uh, and uh, that's all she wrote. You know. Yeah, you guys, you have such a strong body of work too. Like I think 
there's not one i mean just looking at it now like on paper in front of me like i mean everything all, all the everything you put out is like really solid stuff is there any one thing that you love the most out of what you released yeah i mean on is on is probably nice. my favorite my favorite album just combination of lyrics and music nice. but at the same time i also still appreciate the work that we put into making trial sound yes. the way that it did. Yeah. And a lot of that was and a lot of credit where credit due is due. A lot of that was Pete Kramiak. A lot of that was mm. Pete being very, um, very meticulous in the studio and really working hard on getting that big, that big ass guitar sound. Um, <laughs> yeah. but that was, um, you know, so uh, I, I totally understand why people like look at Trial as like, okay, that is Verbal Salts, you know, you know, that's the big album or whatever. Yep. But uh, but on as far as the music and the lyrics uh, go, uh, that's probably still my favorite. Yeah, there's some really really great songs on there, man. Too, it was really yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and it wasn't a far like, even though the sound was. Even like this, like you said, the songs weren't as fast, and there was different grooves to it. It still sounded like Verbal Assault. Like it, what didn't sound like a different band? You know, when bands make it, try yeah, different things. Yeah, no, I hear you. I and that's the thing. And 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 as we were starting to get the re, these re-releases together, you know, going back and listening to the stuff, it um, it's uh, it's nice because you see a through line, you know. Yeah. And, I love that. Okay, man. that's that's cool. That's cool. You know, you made your mark. You know, I love that. Well, I, I appreciate everything you put out in music and everything, um, all the stuff you've been involved in. All these records have been a big part of my um, childhood and continue to inspire. They inspire my band a hundred percent. And um, yeah, it's great talking to you and catching up. You know. Yeah. No. This is and it is awesome catching up with you as well because uh, both you and your bro. You know, I mean, it was. I can really, really specifically remember, you know, like the, those early, like 83, 84, 85, you know, those years where it was like everybody who um, was around in the town who had a skateboard or, yes. or was wearing Chuck Taylors or whatever, <laughs> it was like you immediately ran over and you were just, you knew you were going to be friends because it's, it's so like, crazy, man. you know, be, uh, because it was almost like a given the secret Masonic sign or whatever. <laughs> and it was just, you know, and so it was really important that, that you guys were a part of it. And then it was really fun to see later on 
what you ended up doing as well, you know, Thank and you, so, and so to give it a well, we'll end this on a little mutual appreciation there, <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I really appreciate you getting in touch and, and, and this is, this has been really fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the future with you and I'm definitely going to keep my eyes peeled for any kind of anything that you're up to, um, in the maybe world. Also, real quick, do you remember when skateboarding got banned during the, during the the, uh, the the World Cup, and we had we went to City Hall and we protest because they banned skateboarding on Thames Street down on those banks? Do you remember that? Yes. You, yes. you were there, right? I remember because I tell the yep. story. You were there. Yep. And we got skateboarded yep. like it was illegal for a minute. Yep, exactly. Nope, I remember that. The ma- and then the masses rose up, <coughs> Toby, and we were able to, uh, you know, bring justice to this world. That so, was amazing. Well, it was amazing being part of that with you because it was illegal for a couple, who knows how long, a couple yep, days. I re- but... No, I remember that, the great skateboard band. So, no, it's, uh, don't worry. You can come to Newport and, you know, uh, knock yourself out these days. No, no worries there. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for everybody listening. And is there a Verbal Assault website? Yeah, so verbalassault.com, and awesome. then the, uh, like I said, the re-release is out on Atomic Action, so, you know, um, all the usual suspects, uh, cartel and, and stuff like that, uh, or, you know, to uh, get the um, releases, and uh, and yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's about it, my friend. Well, thank you so much for your time, and uh, I'll be in touch with you soon um, off the air. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, sounds good, Toad. So and let me know when this is out, and I'll make sure to link to it and all that good stuff. Awesome, brother. Well, take care, Chris. Thank you. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so I'm back on the phone with Chris. How are you doing, Chris? Hey, doing good, doing good. So, yeah, since we talked the other day, I was kind of like, a couple things I, want, I, I forgot to say, and also I was reminiscing a little bit about um, going to school when I first moved there in middle school to um, Thompson Junior High and meeting your brother, John Jones. Um, and he was kind of the person, one of the first people that I met when I moved from uh, Massachusetts to Newport who got me into skateboarding and also, in, you know, my brothers were listening to whatever, Sex Pistols, 8-Tracks and all that yep. stuff. But like, John was like the kind of like the one who got me, the guy I met at school because I was like the kid who just came from out of town. And then also, then obviously I met you and started going to your, you guys' rehearsals in the basement. Anyway, I just want to say that it's, it's amazing that if I had never met the Joneses, who knows what I would have gotten into. But you guys were very the first ones that got me into like the skateboarding culture and stuff. So I want to thank you for that once again. Cool, cool. So here, also, uh, this will give me a good chance to put in a little plug for uh, John's current band that he plays Do guitar it. for, <laughs> which is We Own Land. Excellent, excellent, like uh, straight ahead rock with a lot of punk influence in it. Um, but uh, uh, their latest CD is called Plan B, or, you know, CD, whatever. Uh, <laughs> release is called Plan B, so uh, definitely worth checking out. And in a final ironic, you know, you never leave Rhode Island moment, um, <laughs> Dylan uh, Dylan from Verbal Assault is has uh, been filling in on uh, bass for those guys. Oh, and, awesome, uh, man. In, yeah, exactly. So uh, I actually checked them out next door at this being Rhode Island, um, in Boo Fish's place, the parlor, <laughs> and uh, and they were really they were really really good. So uh, uh, we own land, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, because he, he had positive outlook. That was that was one of his first ones, I think. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, so one thing I forgot to ask you was, it's interesting. I have the eyes tattooed on me, the verbal assault eyes. But for people listening. 
um, who may be seeing that tattoo because I posted my leg tattoos before on social media. But for the people listening now, uh, what is the history of the verbal salt eyes, where they came from? And how that okay, happened. so I actually designed that. Let's see, I designed that old school in my uh, dorm room when I was uh, going to uh, University of Massachusetts. And actually, if you go to the Verbal Salt website, verbalsalt.com, all one word, um, let's see, Jordan from Rev and some of the guys there put together a little history of how it came about oh, like wow. they kind of recreated yeah it's very cool actually um because so what it is so briefly what it is is the eye is Sinead O'Connor's left eye there she was on the cover of interview magazine and I took the cover and just you know xeroxed it over and over again to get you know to um make it high contrast and I Let's see. So then I and then I copied that onto a plastic sheet, then flipped that over, and then that <laughs> became the pair of eyes. But what Revan Revan his art guys did was they actually found the old cover, the old interview magazine cover, and then kind of recreated step by step how I described how I did it, and they kind of reproduced that or whatever. So it looks really cool, and and so when Jordan sent it to me, I uh, I put it on the site, and uh, should be uh, still right there. So as I haven't updated the site uh, forever, so <laughs> so were you a, were you a fan of Sinead O'Connor, or is this something you stumbled upon? I it was, um, actually I don't mind Sinead O'Connor, but um, it was more it was uh, more the eye itself that just looked like a great graphic, and so that was the. Um, I've always been pretty proud of that logo because it was kind of the. It, yeah, it was. And it was the only one where I hadn't appropriated somebody else's artwork either. Mm. You know, like the yeah. you know the um, the the Seventh Seal logo, which uh, which I designed and you know really liked, made a great banner or whatever. But you know that was an image from the Bergman film, and this I felt was kind of my uh, my true uh, original creation or whatever. So um, so that's kind of the logo that to me kind of is the official one. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and I wonder if like she ever saw that or like. Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, um, that is a good it. question. Yeah, no, it was. Um, I'm not. Uh, I, isn't she? She's converted to Islam, I believe. Or Maybe I yeah. haven't. Maybe. Yeah, I haven't um, kept up with old Sinead, so I wonder <laughs> if uh, that would be uh, that would be interesting. Whether a she would give a shit, and uh, b whether you know it would be worth trying to contact her. But that's a good point. Yeah, and so for me, I'm actually obviously a massive fan of Verbal Salt and Sinead O'Connor. So now I have like a double tattoo of both. Oh, there you go! One. Right on, right on. <laughs> very, very cool. Oh. No, I remember. I mean, when the, the let's see, Lion and the Cobra, right? Was yes. that the first album? Great album. Yeah, no, that was that was huge. And actually, I can remember at the time too was. Uh, obscure little film called Captive, which I never saw, but my girlfriend at the time had the soundtrack, and that was, it was by, the the incidental music was by The Edge from U2, and then then Sinead O'Connor sang a couple of songs on it as well. 
That's actually, yeah. No, if you have never heard, see if you can dig. I mean, I'm sure it's floating around somewhere. Yeah. But um, but that was good. You know, it's very uh, kind of mood music or whatever, but it's very pretty. I haven't listened to it in years, but it's good stuff. I'm looking it up. And then who whose idea was it to have a piano on Scared? That was uh, Pete. Wow. Actually, and Pete, yep, and Pete played, and that was Pete playing. So, um, That's awesome. I don't, yeah, I think that was, you know what? Ask it when you talk I to will. him, ask him. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's something he sort of just thought of in the studio that there was a piano there and he fiddled around with it. Because when we were writing and rehearsing the song, I don't believe we ever talked said like oh this would be the piano intro yeah. but you know you play it on guitar you know what i'm saying yeah like, that i think it was when we got to the studio that that's when pete thought that it might uh that it might work it, it works so good and and that was the first time ever i ever heard like a piano on like a hardcore record it was just it just fits so yeah, perfect no it was it was cool it was cool so yeah definitely ask pete about that because i that's my best guess, but I, but he would know he would know better than I would. And I, I know you mentioned before early about the Clash and London Calling. And um, do you have like a do you have like a top five or top inspirational musicians inspired your band or you you personally? Uh, let's see. I guess I guess it would kind of be the greatest hits, you know. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, Minor Threat was huge. Yes. They always were, you know, everything that Ian did was it was huge. Um, you know, the Bad Brains, obviously, uh, Black Flag, uh, just because they were so early and so into it, and they used yeah. to also write. They used to answer all their mail. And so uh, Chuck Dukowski would send us postcards awesome. and things like that. And that was, you know, when you were 15 years old, that was that was huge. You yeah, know, you man. couldn't believe it. You were like, Mick Jagger would never write Dad, you know, <laughs> and, or whatever. And here's Chuck, you know, penning something. So, you know, the, right. I'd have to give it some thought, but probably nothing that would surprise you. You know, kind of the main, you know, the, the, the mainstays. Yeah. Did you like uh, Did you like Embrace? Yes, very oh much God, so. Very much so. Yep, yes, absolutely fantastic record. And then, of course, Fugazi, which, yes. I mean, in, in some ways, you know, they, just as far as longevity or whatever, yep. you know, they kept going longer than Minor Threat did. I mean, Minor Threat was seminal, but, you know, Fugazi just, you know, I mean, all the times we've seen them, just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and, and was Verbal Salt ever a straight edge band or no? Uh, some of us did not drink for the most part, but yeah. we never really claimed it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It wasn't a part of the band's identity, yeah. even though certain, even though certain members wouldn't drink or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. did just to, uh, I don't, you know, don't want to turn this into the, you know, part two of the uh, podcast, but I, I ended up having kind of a bad drinking problem and so i've ironically i've i've been sober now for 18 years so oh, wow. uh, i guess Congratulations, I'm, I'm about man. as straight edge as they come or whatever these days uh so Congrats. um but, 
Yeah, no, it's huge. I wouldn't be talking to you if I if I hadn't been able to get a handle on that. Wow. But um, so yeah, it was more. We we definitely made it more of a you know personal thing uh, than as some like again something that you'd identify the band with. Yeah, well, congrats on the sobriety. That's amazing. Eighteen years is a very long time, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, and what's awesome about it now is that I've been. Uh, a sober adult longer than a drunk adult and teenager. So yeah, that's, that feels really good too. It's almost like those years are now, that's a, not a small part of my life, but it's only a part now, you know, and it feels like, and it feels like this, you know, that I feel comfortable in my own skin about it. And again, just so grateful that, uh, you know, um, that the disease has not been able to take me down yet, you know, because uh, God knows we know plenty of people who have uh, suffered with it. For sure. So my final thing is, um, I pretty much know the answer to this. Do you consider yourself optimistic or pessimistic? Uh, Basically an optimist. Um, I, in the sense that um, it's funny, these years have kind of, both both the Bush number two administration and yeah. this administration have made me conservative in a small seaway, not conservative MAGA hat, but conservative like, oh, yeah, look at that. The Department of Justice is important, and so mm-hmm. is the EPA, and you need to and, – and, you know – there are there are things in this country in this world that are worth fighting for yes um, and standing up for um, and that I am you just don't the I guess the thing is like I'm not pessimistic because you just don't know you just don't know and again we were when we talked about this with the last um, podcast uh, you know conversation that we had um, we didn't know the Berlin Wall was coming down two weeks after we split Berlin. Exactly. You know, and then when and and uh, when you know Nelson Mandela walked out of out of prison, you know, had, and not that you know South Africa's great, you know, in great shape right now, but mm-hmm. you know, I we you had no idea that that Mandela was going to turn out to be a state the the, the statesman that he was. You just don't know. You yeah. just don't know, and um, and that's why there's always reason to uh, to 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 not give up. Yeah, so. and so you 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 follow you follow politics like a daily thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, been especially, um, and uh, I was you know became very uh, ended up. I I read the entire Mueller report. Let's put it that way. Wow. So, um, yeah, no, it awesome. wasn't. Uh, that wasn't fun, Toby. But I'm it sure. was. Uh, <laughs> sure. But I did it. But I fucking did it. So, um, so yeah. So I follow that stuff uh, pretty closely, and uh, you know, especially what's going on right now. Um, but the, you know, these are very uh, you know tumultuous times in this country. Um, I I am optimistic, but there are a lot of. Uh, a lot of things to be done. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's hard, especially this day and age, because it's like, if you're, I know you're not really heavy in social media, but I'm sure you check the news and stuff. It's just, it's just in your face, like 24 seven. There's just so much stuff. To, there's so much information to digest. It's just so uh, much. There stuff. is, and and things, and I'm actually astonished with how quickly things have been moving. Uh, uh, 
this past, you know, just these past few months, uh-huh. you know, it's like, cause I do, I do, uh, use Twitter quite, I don't tweet, okay. but I follow to, you know, people on Twitter and sometimes things are going so quick. It's like, that's the only way it's like, I don't have time to read the, the Washington post. I just got to <laughs> keep flipping through Twitter, refreshing Twitter. Cause there's something new every two goddamn seconds here. But um, I know, man. So, uh, um, let's see what happens, but, man. Yeah, we will. We will. So, um, but yeah, so in general, I would consider myself an optimist. Well, awesome. Yeah, I pretty much knew the answer to that because I've obviously with, I don't know, just, I, I'm not surprised at that. You know what I mean? But um, Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Well, I, I appreciate your time. This has been awesome. We covered so much and um, I'm sure like maybe we do a part two, maybe a year from now, who knows what's going to happen, but <laughs> we covered everything yeah, exactly. and, and I appreciate that your time. Nope, that would be fantastic, Toby. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to uh, to do all this, and good luck with all future endeavors, my friend. Awesome, brother. I'll be, I'll be in touch. We'll, we'll speak soon, man. Thank you so much, Chris. Okay, sounds good, Toby. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Chris Jones. That was amazing. Uh, up next, we have Pete Kramack, the guitar player. Enjoy. You moved away. Yeah. And then I didn't. I didn't see you... Maybe maybe you came to like a DC show, but you had like you you had moved away. You were yeah. you know you're a little kid still when you moved away in my mind. Yeah. And then there's this day in New York City. This is probably like 1990ish, and I I come to visit Richie. I've been living in DC for a while, and I, I remember the day pretty clearly. We were me and Richie played chess at this weird little like cafe thing, and I actually fucking beat him it was the only time i beat him and he was like oh well he like made all these excuses like ah, i beat you broken head <laughs> suck it and um he went off one way and then I, I was walking back to his place and i i saw you across the street sounds like a dang nasty song yeah. <laughs> um and you were like a fucking full-grown man with like tattoos and it was you and you're with like maybe your girlfriend or something and and i I think we chatted. We um, had to have like, yeah. Caught up real quick. Like, I'm pretty sure we, I mean, I, I definitely came over. And yeah. Like, I think that's when you first told me about your band. And I was like, holy crap. Toby Morse is like, I'm fucking grown up now. It <laughs> shocked me. Because you went from like the most adorable little, I mean, you look like a, like a, just the cutest little fucking skate punk in the world. I'm <laughs> grown up. It was shocking. Kind of, kind of messed me up. That's great. All right, so let me get the shit we're going. This is so awesome. That, that's, I think that's the last time we spoke, unless unless we talked really quick when you guys were in touch about doing Scared and that record. Oh yeah, that's right. The cover the covers record. I think we. I, I definitely talked to like your someone in your band. I, yeah. I, I think we we didn't actually. Anyways. Well, speaking speaking of Scared. Was that your idea to put the piano in there? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. I I just thought hardcore was ready for a piano. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but fucking glad I did it. Me too. I mean, it, it, um, it works so perfect, man. Yeah, it kind of like it kind of fit with the song. Like, eh, fuck it, take a chance, do something uncool. Yeah, and like, um, and like nobody was yeah, doing that back then, you know. It might it might be the first piano in hardcore. I don't know. 
I, th- I, I, would, I would say the first and last one probably. I don't know if somebody did it after that. I'm not even sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was spontaneous. I was just like, oh, there's a fucking piano. Maybe we should try that. But, yeah. <laughs> um. So, I mean, I, I was talking to Chris the other <clears> day, and um, I moved to Newport, I would say, like, 83 i was 13 because i went to middle school out there um thompson junior high school on broadway um yeah and so were you, were you born in newport yeah i was born there and um 1968 well, and so and so how was growing up there with you how was it how was it like growing up there before i got there i mean um growing up in that town it's such a beautiful place yeah it was it was it was fucking amazing. It was, um, I mean, you know, it was the seventies, so I don't know what parents were doing, but as long as you're home for dinner, it was cool. So like, and I, you know, I grew grew up in the point right across from battery park. And, um, so I just had that whole crazy waterfront to explore, you know, at low tide, you could like, you could go all the way down to, um, like, like almost all the way down to the goat Island little causeway. And yeah, so I just had this, this crazy weird playground. Um, and then if you skipped over past, uh, past third street, you could get on like the train tracks to all the weird, uh, graveyards and stuff. Yeah. So I had just this bizarre fucking large radius of just free roaming weird stuff. And it was all, you know, Washington streets, almost all colonial old houses. Yeah. It was, I mean, yeah, it was, I can't think of a cooler place. And my, my dad was really, he was like a sailor and uh, he'd always get us like shitty little sailboats and me and my sister just would just take out these sailboats from, you know, and push them across the street into the water. And, cool. and like I'd, I'd take these little sunfish, like derelict sailboats, like out of the harbor <laughs> into the ocean sometimes just by myself when I was like really little. Yeah. kind of weird. Being, like being a parent now, I just mm-hmm. scratch my head like what were they thinking but it all worked out yeah so um so then <clears throat> what was your so what was your exposure to music living in newport New, like skateboarding and obviously the punk rock music went hand in hand that was like our soundtrack back then but how'd you get into it yeah yeah I, the skateboarding part was huge like i still listen to a lot of that stuff and it's it it puts me like skateboarding the whole practice of skateboarding of just like practicing a trick, practicing a trick, mm-hmm. nailing a trick. It was like, it was so embedded in the early music. Like it was the same thing. Like we were all trying to just fucking shred, yep. you know, you know, you know, it was just like skateboarding, you know, we were all trying to like outdo each other and get better. And, um, you know, like I, I can hear some, some stuff where, you know, like musically, I don't know what some of us were doing, but it was more just like, improving and getting better and like yeah. getting as you know radical as you could um but the um I, I i lucked out with a cool older sister and she had um you know probably when i was in even like fifth grade she was bringing home like the devo like clash awesome. ramones records and and also i remember she she had some xtc records and I, I really liked that band back then. I keep meaning to go kind of go back through that early XTC yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but she she was bringing home like everything you could have thought of that you would have wanted, you know, in mm-hmm. 1980. Um, so I was already like a huge Clash fan. I think even before, you know by definitely by seventh grade. Wow. Um, and then I that that was my first concert was the Combat Rock tour. Holy shit! My first big first big concert. That's yeah, and my mom like. I just got a ticket by myself. Like I didn't like no one else could get like Chris Jones couldn't go. Wow. Um, and uh, so I bought a ticket at music box, you know, just one, one ticket and <laughs> I can just beg my mom to drive me up. And she's like, all right, I'll pick you up right here at 11. You know? So like Holy the summer shit. before fucking eighth grade, you know, my mom's driving me up to Providence and like, and I still remember my fucking outfit. It was so goofy. Like, you know, I was, I was trying to figure it out and I didn't have many, uh, options so i had this mm-hmm. like oversized camo jacket i knew to tie like a bandana around my one ankle circle jerk and, style uh, yeah 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 but well it was it, i think that before i knew that it was just it was just coming to i was just seeing like some of the older kids do it and Newport mm. at the time but I, I was totally winging it i was like all right i have to be punk today <laughs> but but the you know the show was fucking incredible i can't even imagine um, seeing that man yeah, so I, I, you know, I just I I lucked out um, with some early, some cool early, easy access, you know, with my sister, and then, um, and then Chris, yeah. So let me think. Me and Chris went to nursery school together. Oh wow! And then, and then we we were friends there, and then we kind of split split up. I was always in I was in a different public school every year until sixth grade. It was weird. I was in the, the point where I, I lived, there weren't that many kids. So they're always trying to like cram them wherever they could. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we wound up at Cranston Calvert together at fourth grade. And then so from fourth grade on, me and Chris were, were back together. And, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Chris, Chris plugged into the hardcore thing really early. I mean, I, I can't remember the, I can't remember the, how he, he got plugged in so early. Um, but he was, you know, right out of the gate, yeah. you know, had letters from, from fucking everybody, you know, he was writing everybody. And, um, that became kind of a big part of the band was that Chris is already like hooked up, you know, pen pal wise with yeah, yeah. kind of everyone and there, you know, you know, all the big players and the smaller towns. And then when we started making demo tapes, you know, it was on, he was just like his prolific mailing uh you know was a huge part of why verbal assault got out so quickly that's amazing it sounds like your um your parents were super supportive of obviously your mom taking to your show in your seventh grade at providence but like you had, you had a uh a good upbringing you, you liked growing up and you, like your sister you guys were a super tight family um kind of like yeah i mean my family was great my mom was a really interesting artist um she wasn't not supportive and, and in a way, I mean, her thing was like, all right, you can go to the show as long as you go to school the next day. That was yeah. kind of her like main thing. So like in ninth grade, like, you know, God, you might've even, I don't think you were at the, you didn't go to that first black flag show at the channel that we all went to. In the no, my, truck, my, my brother went to that, but I didn't go to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, you know, ninth grade, first month in high school, like, like, I'm like, hey, mom, uh, Doug Ernest is old enough to rent a U-Haul truck, and we're uh, 
we're gonna go to see a band in Boston. And she's like, it was like a Monday or something. She's like, oh, okay, just you know, be back for school. And and that you know that was wow one of the most memorable nights of my my life, especially the just being in the back of that fucking because it was just a big box truck. Yeah, I'm at its house, loaded the truck up with all these like uh, kind of like grade school chairs, you know. <laughs> so we're just like sliding around the fucking truck, and then <laughs> and the show was the show was fucking nuts. It, it took us forever to get there, and we pulled in, and they thought we were the opening band. Like the dude at the parking lot was like, yeah. "Are you the sluts?" And I guess you know, and Doug just told me this. I was in the back of the box, so I couldn't hear anything. And Doug's like, "Yeah, we're the sluts." <laughs> <laughs> and so he just point, you know, he just literally like pulled the truck up to the back of the channel and then you know we've been back for like it seemed like three hours yeah and uh the door just opens and he's like they think we're the opening band run in and so all this fucking blasted into the, the back of the channel and, and kind of scattered and it was it was just kind of one of those ferris bueller you know magic yeah did, did ssd like open that life one? where what's up did ssd or dos open SSD, it was it was the sluts and then I don't think it was SSD. Okay. Um, the sluts finally came. There was one Boston band. I just can't remember. Yeah. I don't think it was SSD. SSD. I, was, I saw them as minor threat was the first, the first SSD show. Wow. Where was that? Um, Holy shit. Channel. It was a channel. It was, a. yeah, the, I, I drank, um, I grabbed my Coke, what I thought was my Coke, right before my throat was about to play, and it was Johnny D's Spittoon Cup. It was right when everyone, like, like a bunch of the Newport kids started, like, doing chewing tobacco. Oh, yeah. And okay. I, took a, I, took a, I took a big swig of fucking Johnny D's tobacco spit right before my throat played. Oh, my God. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Ian was really grumpy, that show. Oh, it um, was? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was an... Yeah, but the the Black Flag show on the way back, uh, like everyone sort of fell asleep, even in the, like even in the flighty chairs. And I I can't sleep unless I'm in like, you know, to this day I can't sleep unless every everything is perfect. And yeah. so I'm just sitting there like bolt upright, you know, kind of imagining where we must be on the road. And we I've been back there for like two hours, Jesus. and I was the only one that seemed to be paying attention. And I was just picturing like West Main Road. I was like, we must be near the Dunkin' Donuts by now. <laughs> and finally the door opens and Doug's like, and we got to pee. There's a good news and bad news. And he's like, and uh, basically they've been driving North the whole time oh, and then turned around. And so when he opened the door, we were back in Boston and it was like three thirty in the morning. And oh, I was just God. like, Oh my fucking God. So I just remember like getting home at like six and getting pretty much right on the bus. And I remember just sitting, sitting at the Rogers cafeteria you know, just like Rogers. looking around and yeah. like, yeah, yeah, man. And I, I just remember looking around like, you know, like there's like the jocks table and the, and just all the different clicks. And I just remember thinking like, these fucking kids have no idea like what's out there. You know, like, <laughs> fucking. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's pretty amazing. How, how, how were you in school? Did you like school? No, I didn't. I didn't like school. Um, I did really like. I got good grades and all that, um, but I did not. I didn't really try as good at as good at just kind of skirting. Like I yeah. knew I was destined for college. Like just the way you know, 
that was always the plan, you know, since forever. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I like try, you know, I, I, tr- I tried just enough to, to keep everyone kind of, you know, keep my parents off my back and, yeah. um, you know, teach it, you know, just so I could get by through school. So I could, I mean, by ninth grade, we were already, you know, practicing every day and like, that's all I really, really cared about was, yeah. was the band. So Verbal so, Assault, you were ninth grade? I, yeah, man. Wow. But, um, and, and I can always remember just because of the, the very first demo tape, Nazi High School, first yeah. song on the tape. <laughs> yeah, it's 1983, your freshman year. Wow. Um, yeah, so it, we started in, yeah. Um, but yeah, back to the parents, my dad wasn't too stoked for a for a while. He eventually became kind of, I eventually heard he was like kind of quietly proud of us, you know, when we when we were really traveling a lot. Yeah. But at first he was, that very first demo tape that, that we made, and we were passing out all the lyric sheets everywhere. He got his hands on one and uh, just kind of took me aside and was like, you know, he, he kind of blew up at a couple songs. Like, oh. <laughs> and started talking about like mil- military school. Like, this is he wasn't psyched on Chris's lyrics. Oh shit! He's like this, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, there. <laughs> this is in ninth grade, and he's writing songs about the Poland crisis. He's My so dad's smart. fucking born in Poland, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, my dad was was literally born in Poland, and he's like, "This fucking kid doesn't know what he's talking about. This is bullshit." Damn. Um, so it was a rough start with him, but then he he came through pretty mightily. Uh, he got us a van from some salvage yard that had just been like broken into, and it was kind of trashed. So we got some crazy deal on a pretty good van, like it was like you know maybe four or five years old. Yeah. Um, and he, it was like a loan, had to pay it back, you know, pretty meticulously, but, but that, like, that was, that propelled us into a whole other fucking stratosphere, like yeah. having a legit, you know, having a legit vehicle when I was like, probably still 16. That's awesome. Um, and that's, you know, so when we look back and like, you know, I mean, like we played CBs when we were in 11th grade. That's crazy. It's yeah. so fucking weird. It's so you know? it's so crazy. But it's uh, you know largely because we had that van, and so we were you know, and Chris was already hooked up with every every you know fanzine in every town, mm-hmm. and it was just easy to get shows, you know, for anyone that could make it. Basically, so we were just you know we got lucky just being so early on some of that stuff. Yeah, um, just like postcards back then, no internet, just like. Pen pals with bands. It's yeah, amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is remarkable. It blows my mind. It's like, like touring Europe, like in 88, um, you know, there was, there was a couple of times when our, our, our main driver dude had to bail and it was just us cruising around Europe. And we just literally had a list of towns. Like oh, sometimes we had phone numbers, but we would just go to like a town in Spain and just, you know, literally drive to the center of town until we saw a punk or a skater. And, yeah. and then, you know, you know, and it, it fucking worked. Like you could just, mm-hmm. you could always find one and then find, you know, just get directions that way. And it was, it was caveman, some caveman stuff sometimes, but, um, yeah. That's pretty wild. To think about like that back then. Yeah. Like, and people like now they lose their phones like two hours and like they freak out. 
And back then it was just. I, dude, when was the last time you pooped without your phone? You can't do it. <laughs> you like waddle around, you like waddle back across the room to get it. I, I, I don't know if anyone can physically even do that anymore. Like you gotta have it. It's so crazy, man. Um, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say to you, so, um, all right. So by the time you graduate, what has verbal assault done at that point? Did the learn record come out then or no? Yeah. yeah well, it, we'd already, we recorded it. Yeah. Um, we recorded it. I can't remember if it was 11th or 12th grade, but, um, I think it was 11th grade. I think we're in 11th grade. It, it, that seems impossible, but it, it was, we were still in high school. I remember coming back. I remember, I remember telling Mike Wallach about it in gym class. Mike Wallach. Like the next day. And he kind of, he kind of, I think he didn't believe me. Cause he like, he's like, yeah. he did not fucking <laughs> Mike Wallach positive outlook. Yeah. Fucking spreader. Yeah. He play like eruption from Van Halen on guitar. Like, I was like, <laughs> how the awesome. fuck do you do that? Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it, it was uh, it was 11th or 12th grade. It was probably 12th grade. That seems more reasonable. But we had already been playing all over. We'd been playing, yeah. you know, from Albany. We might have played Montreal. Um, and then, we, you know, we'd already played New York City, I think, twice. Yeah. Um, you know, Danbury, Connecticut, the Anthrax. Yes. Oh, you know, all the... All New England. Yeah, we fucking rocked New England, and then and then we were we left on tour the morning after high school graduation. It was high school graduation, oh. and then we woke up and and left. And that tour was hilarious because it was it was uh, we were supposed to just get to Reno, and then Kevin Second was, he was supposed to set up a, a tour for us, but he, I believe he just forgot. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. So the tour was was Albany, Montreal, Reno, and we showed up in Reno, and uh, and Kevin lived in this like weird, like it was kind of like a Camelot castle, like thing, like kind of rest failed restaurant thing. I think <laughs> yeah. there was like fake like rock towers on the front. Wow. And so so yeah, we landed in Reno, and, and Kevin was like, oh, he he, he kind of just spaced it, and uh. We're like, oh, that's cool. And uh, so we stayed in Reno for, I think, almost three weeks. Holy shit. Stayed at Bessie Oakley's house. I think it was three weeks with one detour in the middle and um, just hung out. And uh, my friend Jason Traeger, who did Leading Edge fanzine back mm -hmm. in the day, yeah, he and Martin Sprouse, who are still kind of two of my best friends in the world, um, Jason had just moved to Reno like a week before just quit high school. I was like, ah, I'm going to go live seven seconds. Fuck it. And, uh, awesome. <clears throat> so we just, we just, you know, spent two weeks together and then he jumped in the van. We, we played a weird show in the Las Vegas desert with the offspring offspring really? opened for verbal assault no. uh, in, <laughs> and literally, literally in the desert with a generator with like a circle dust pit. <clears throat> that is crazy. And I'm, yeah. And on the way there are, uh, uh, I drove all night and then I was falling asleep. So Dylan took over and he somehow drove us into Death Valley. And right at the bottom of Death Valley, I, I woke up because the van was like overheating. And uh, I popped the hood and was staring at the, I remember staring at the, the radiator pipe and it was bulging. Like I had this huge, like a boil that was about to pop. Damn. I, I didn't know shit about cars. And yeah. I was, uh, I was just staring at it like a fucking idiot. And, uh, 
I just turned away and it exploded right where my face was. Oh, I almost like burnt my face off in Death Valley. That's and, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is like, <laughs> like six days out of high school. Man. You know? Yeah. It's so fucking nuts. And what did your parents, um, what did your parents think about you guys all just leaving to go on tour the next day? Like, I mean, you guys are also, you're graduates now, so you can do whatever you want, I guess. 17, 18 years old. Yeah. 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 We were so geared up by that. Like we were like, uh, you know, we, uh, we obviously like, we're like, all right, we're done with school on Friday. Let's leave on Saturday. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was nuts. When, when we first went to Europe, I think I just turned eight. No, it was, I think I just turned 18, but I, I still looked ridiculously young. Yeah. And like we were, we were, you know, and at the time there wasn't really like much of a young European punk scene. It was, you know, it was mostly old timers. Yeah. And uh, so that like I, just after every show, like these weird big old Germans or Austrians or whatever, would be like, just like, how old are you? And like, you look, you, you look like a little child, you know? And we're all like energetic, jumping around, fucking, you know, telling people there's a better way to do things. And, and, uh, it's pretty, pretty funny. Like, I, I can imagine for them, if you're like a 30 year old, really crusty punk. Yeah. To have like an 18 year old kid from Newport, like, just, you know, fucking jumping all over the stage, playing river dance on the fretboard. It was, you know, going nuts. <laughs> What 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 what, ins, what inspires you to start playing guitar and when like how old were you started playing guitar? Um, <clears throat> I sold my trumpet, nice. and no, I didn't get a guitar. I bought a I bought my first skateboard when I sold my trumpet. I kind of pulled one over on my mom. Um, but then I think I think the summer before ninth grade, um, there was there was. A, talk of starting bands mm -hmm. chris was chris was talking about it and i remember it was kind of like in like junior high it was kind of like like chris was my probably my best friend and mm -hmm. then there was kind of the other like some other cliques that were kind of more popular and i was kind of like in between kind of like you know the D, D nerds like chris was the dungeon master mm -hmm. and then like you know i, th I was i think i was like Personally, trying to be like popular and and kind of failing and uh and um but I remember the summer before ninth grade uh <clears throat> it was sort of between Chris and this other like one of the popular kids like which band I was gonna you know join and yeah and uh so I, I got my guitar right around then this uh yeah I still have it it's in it's in my uh kind of weird barn it's, it's just this weird brown guitar. I think it was an Eddie Van Halen copy thing with a, it still has an SSD and minor threat sticker on it. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, I played out of a old stereo. You, you, you probably remember, man, you, you were at the early practices. I got pictures of all you guys in the practice on the, in the basement. I was going to send to you. Like, I mean, you were there, you were there. I kind of remember like, cause I basically lived at the Jones's house. Yep. You know, I'd walk home from, walk home with them because they were near Rogers. <clears throat> and then, you know, so I was there every day and we were practicing almost every day. And then, and then you showed up. What, what year did you move there? 83. Yeah. Yeah. So you moved there then and hooked up with, with John, John Jones pretty yeah. quick. Mm -hmm. And like, so you were, 
I almost remember you as like competition for snacks. I remember like there's only so many <laughs> snacks there. And then you sort of moved in too. And I was like, this little fucking guy is horning in on my snack zone. <laughs> and I remember, I remember, I remember John, John sort of had a beef with me because I was always, in, as soon as we got in the house, I was upstairs in the bathroom because that was my natural time to drop a stinker. <laughs> and I think, I think it was John's too. And I think he was kind of like, Somehow we, I always beat it home, so yeah. I was always in the bathroom, like, like kind of stinking up the space. That is funny, so man. Like, yeah, like, in his own house, I, I like, evicted him, like, just my natural clock. Anyways, <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember, I mean, you were there all the fucking time. I was, And you man. were, like, kind of like a curious puppy, like, just like, <laughs> like, where'd you get that bandana, like how do you do those safety pins, like, That's how right. do you do that on guitar, you know, like, just so like, fucking true. drill it, like, I was kind of like, you you were fucking hilarious. I was learning. I was getting educated were, by you like, guys. You yeah. were you were <laughs> you were a chatty little fuck back then, and like like so curious. Like it was almost irritating, but you were so adorable. It was kind of like <laughs> I mean, it was like it was like a, having a mascot. It was like this like, and, and he looked like a kid Disney would have put into a movie about like a kid moving to a town and falling in with like skateboarders at the beginning of the hardcore scene mm. you look like like you, you could be cast as that maybe not today but back then <laughs> i was like yeah. i i could see that i i got pictures of like i'm gonna send you later i got pictures of like chris shaving your head in the basement like like you guys do haircuts oh, nice. down there and stuff oh. like wow i got great pictures i have of you doing so a few pictures from you do yeah i got great skate photos I, I, of you doing frontside airs and bonelesses i'm gonna send you a bunch of shit Really cool photos. Oh, I need those. And then me and you, I have it in my hand right now. 1983, we're both in Thrasher Magazine. I got second place in a freestyle contest, and you got and you you placed in another contest, and it was at Narragansett. You remember that? Oh shit! I have the Thrasher in my hand right now, and we're both we have me and you me and you together standing on. Let me see what place you came in. I'm reading it right now. You, me and you are standing on top of the deck together. It's a whole bunch of us. And remember, like Fred Smith and those dudes broke in, or somebody stole the trophies the night before, or some shit. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's a big, there's a big scrum. Like, yeah, someone broke into the shed. Yes. And I think it was the yeah. I think it was the Dighton dudes. The Dighton dudes. Yeah. I I, I forgot about that picture. I, I'm gonna say. I remember I. I remember I won. The, there was a little street contest behind Lupo's the day that uh, Reptile House played Lupo's. Reptile House is uh, Dan Higgs's band. Yeah. Who, uh, went on to Lungfish. Dan Higgs lives in fucking Olympia now. He does? Yeah. He's, I see him all the time. DC. Great tattoo artist, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's actually drawing Flash again. He's not tattooing, but. Um, he, uh, he moved to Olympia about a year and a half ago, has a brand new little kid. That's amazing. Um, I see him, I see him all the time. Um, every time I see him at the coffee shop, I get a parking ticket cause like three hours go by and, <laughs> um, yeah, you're like a really um, good skater, man. Did you want to be a pro skater? Cause you were really like some, some dudes just skating with us, but you were like really about, about it. You know what I mean? Like you. You were really great on Ranch Street. Yeah. 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 Thanks, man. I I, I had, I kind of apexed like, yeah, probably like 10th grade, 11th grade. And then I kept breaking stuff. Mm. When the ramps got bigger, I, I broke a lot of, I broke a lot of bones. And um, 
I kept fucking up my wrists and hands and uh, we were already touring so much. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of made myself stop skating ramps and then, um, I, I wasn't, I, I appreciate that, but I, I wasn't really <clears throat> that good. I mean, like, I was pretty good. You're pretty good, but streetwise. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, but like, you know, I wasn't like Doug Sabetti good. All right, Doug Sabetti. Um, and I definitely wasn't. Fred Abong. Fred Abong. Me and Fred were, we were, we were close. Fred, Fred's just good at everything now. He, yeah. He was like, um, he was just here like two weeks ago. I know. I saw him. I ran into him on tour with the band he's with. I ran into him at this Cure Deftone show like a month ago. It was amazing. Just randomly. I knew he was going to be oh, there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, skateboarding. I, I do have a, I do have a skateboard memory that might, <clears throat> might blow your mind. Let's hear it. <clears throat> and that was, I was like, probably like 84. I felt like Ollie wise, I was sort of like, I kind of had the best Ollie in Rhode Island <laughs> for at least a couple months. Nice. And so I was like pretty aware of everyone else's Ollie skills. <laughs> you know, like in the back of my head, I was like, like Dickie was good. Sebet, Sebet was good, but he was all kind of like, like with his funny bow legs. Um, and for a couple months, I, I was just like, my street alleys were fucking really good. Yeah, I remember being on the bus going to Rogers. It was kind of winter. It was like November-ish. It was cold. And I remember we're going on the same street, and I look out the window, and you're skating right alongside the bus. And you know, so it's same street, and so you know, you know, there's a curb every minute. Yeah, because the blocks are so small. And it was, I, I remember, I could, I can't remember the name of the street, but it, I could point it out right now. You like came off the curb and you're approaching this, this other curb and it's one of those old cobblestone curbs and it's kind of a big one and it was like kind of lean, it leans towards you because it was so old and jagged. <laughs> and I was like, you, you, you were like blasted, you were going really fucking fast. And I was like, there's no fucking way he's going to ollie that curb. He's like, I knew your ollie like height, you know? <laughs> and, and you fucking, you pop this, like you popped like one of the highest ollies that had been done in Newport and fucking stuck it and just kept going. And I, I was like, what the fuck? And then, then I noticed serious? like when you, after you landed, you kind of were wiggling your foot really weird. And then I, I was, I looked and you had tied fucking uh, bike tubes around the skateboard for fucking foot handles. Oh, that's like right. Foot straps. Holy shit. You're so right. And I was like, motherfucker for like, for like 10 seconds, I thought you like fucking totally eclipsed all <laughs> all skaters in Rhode Island with Dude! the thickest ollie ever. I remember the and rubber then, straps. Oh my God, man. And then I fuck it, yeah. And I don't know if I ever, I, I almost feel like that's the last time I saw you in Rhode Island because I don't know if I've ever, I've ever told you, like, I see you, you're fucking, you have foot straps, not an ollie. <laughs> <laughs> man, I remember that shit. Oh my God. That is, I don't know why we, yeah. I don't know why I did that. It's crazy. Do you remember? Do you, yeah. remember, you remember skateboarding getting banned during the America's Cup races because that lady had her ankle broken, and we all protested and went to city hall to try to get the law changed, and it worked. Yeah, skateboarding's not a crime. Yeah, yeah. Chris Jones with us. Yes. Were you at city hall. Yes. Yeah, Chris Jones was there. Chris gave like a speech. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, there's that picture in the Newport Daily News of God. Two of the Middletown dudes might have been Matt Patello. There was a picture in the Newport Daily News of like two Middletown dudes skating behind, uh, what the fuck was it? It's the Christmas tree shop now, or mm. it was, it's been a while. 
that weird the, the weird mall um I don't know Quidnick Ave, I can't remember the name of it. But in this really weird skate spot, like I kind of didn't even know it was a skate spot. Gotcha. And it was these, it was these two Middletown skaters. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, that's not a skate spot. It was like Middletown. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. two miles away. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Did, yeah. I I think Scott picked up. Yeah. There was like a there was like a sweep, right? Yeah. Like I got I got picked up too. Yeah. I was like a little kid. I went down you, the store and got my, my mom cigarettes, and then a cop fucking. pulled me in the car. I was so shook. I was yeah, so scared. Did you snitch? No, you fucking, you fucking kept it quiet. And, and then, yeah, then we then, then once we got to the freaking police station, all the skateboards were piled up there, and I was like, holy shit! <laughs> and then we did the most punk thing, and we fucking went protest against it, and went to city hall, and then because we had those skate banks, yeah. we all skated those banks, yeah. man. It was so cool. Yeah, that was pretty good. Fuck, man. And then I then I feel I, like go ahead. I feel like Mr. and Mrs. Jones were kind of cool about it. Yeah, they were. Yes, for sure. Like, I think they were, I think they had a part in, like, you know, elevating it a tiny bit. Yeah. They, they, um, they were so cool. That, that's why we just hung at the house. It was so cool. His parents and his sister, Sarah. Yeah. Just super cool vibes there, man, you know? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, I, I just, I constantly had the problem of getting home every night. You know, I was like, Fucking four miles away, you know, across like four colonial villages, and get home in the winter somehow. Brutal, man. It's crazy. Yeah. I want to talk. I want to talk about. When did you? When did you leave Newport? I left Newport. I'm sorry. What? No, it's all good. Let's see. I went to Newport. 85. I was there for four years for high school, eighty-five to eighty-eight, and that's when I really got into skateboarding hard and trying to compete and doing ramps like Cedar Crest and Mount Trashmore, and really. Like, oh wow! So we left Newport as like these punk rockers wearing like Converse, what were shocking back then, and checkered, checkered thrift shop pants, all because of you guys. And we went to this small southern town because my mom got this job, and we brought there was nobody was skating there. And then you know we were the freaks in the school, and we started going to shows in D.C. in the early '80s and be involved in that scene. So I got like, I got the best of both worlds of like moving to Newport, meeting all you guys, and really getting the skateboard and punk rock, and then going to Maryland right outside DC and getting to be part of that world too. And yeah, so it was really, So what year was Maryland? Maryland was 85 to 88. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought you listened for it like before. Yeah. Kind of early. So that makes sense. Yeah. And so like, yeah. Um, I want to talk about your guitar sound because I, I feel like mm-hmm. your guitar sound on those on those records was the first there was nobody had a guitar sound like you back then and just the crunchiness just something about your guitar playing the riffs everything it was so ahead of its time and and it stood out so much and and i don't even know where that came from but it's i know you didn't i mean it's just your, yeah. it's just your sound right well it was i mean some of it was honestly fucking just like you know kind of like magical luck um I I was going out of DC a lot. Um, uh, I think the summer, yeah, the summer after ninth grade, me and Fred went down. My grandmother lived just like two, three miles away from the Discord house. Perfect. So I was wow. I was going out of DC, you know. So I had this like cool out, like oh, I'm gonna go visit grandma. So like my parents would buy me a train ticket and I'd just go down by myself and. And the first time I, I finally pestered Ian was, yeah, 
83. Um, and me and Fred skated over there and, um, you know, got the tour and just hung out, yeah. drank iced tea. It was like, you know, how yeah. fucking cool is that? Amazing. Um, uh, and so, so I was, I, I got to know all the DC folks really early. And then, and then we were, you know, we recorded Learn with uh, Ian. Yep. I think, you know, I think it was 11th grade. So 1985, I think. Was that a surreal moment? Because um, I'm sure you're a minor threat fan. Was that surreal working with him at that young age? And Say that again? Was that a surreal moment working with Ian? Because I'm sure you're a minor threat fan and then you're in the studio with him. Was that? Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, I, it was it was hard to, you know, yeah, you know, I think we were all kind of like, I don't know, intimidated is not the right word, but just like, yeah, you know, we're like, we're still really young kids and Ian's a pretty forceful personality and he's recording like our fucking precious babies, you know? Yeah. And, and like, you know, you know, to this day, I was like, uh, you know, I kept trying to get him to get, get the guitars louder. Chris wanted the guitars louder. And, we were, and he wouldn't, he was like, mm, he just, he was pretty stubborn. And, you know, <laughs> we weren't going to argue. Exactly. So I think that's why, I think that's why with trial, you know, I was like, I'm not fucking not getting exactly what I want. And, mm. and I was like, it, you know, it's probably the most like maniacal I've ever been. You know, I kind of just, you know, just, just sat at the board like I wouldn't give up the spot in front of the board and 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 Chris was with me you know he was yeah. like we both wanted like you know try trial you know we we didn't really know how to record shit and it, it was it was just the product of like um me knowing exactly how I wanted to sound yeah I think uh, I think I was a bit of a like maybe I was a bit of a dick and I had more energy, so I, I kind of outlasted Dylan on the, the mixing and, and got what I wanted. To this day, <laughs> it mostly sounds good, but I've come to I've come to realize like um, I didn't have to do that all the time. You know, I, like Dylan has so many magical parts on that record that uh, you know, I could have backed the guitar off and left the bass kind of shine a little more. But it, it actually it. That record sounds really good. It sounds so. really good still, and it stood the test of time. And just the guitar, like there was, there was, first and foremost, there was no pianos on Harker songs, and there wasn't the guitar sound like that that I can remember. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. We were talking about the guitar sound. Yeah. Oh, I so just... I was, I was, I was taking that that uh, detour to DC because one summer, I think it was, it was probably '85. Um, I was down there. Can't remember why. I think there was a. I think there was some show I had to see or something. Maybe yeah. we'd, we'd played, we'd played nearby or maybe we'd actually, maybe we just played there. I can't remember. It was actually, let me think. It was the summer of 86 is when it was. Yeah. So right after, um, probably after, no, it doesn't add up. <laughs> it was after, it, it was, it was before trial. Okay. It was probably about six months before trial. Gotcha. I was down there and I was, I was, um, hanging out at the Dag Nasty house. Mm. And um, I was, and Brian showed up. I can't remember if he lived there or they just practiced there. It was mainly Roger and Colin. No, he lived there. Anyways, Brian showed up and I like, you know, obviously a fucking huge influence on me. Yes. Um, and, and we're chatting guitar stuff. And, and he, he showed me the rack mount chorus that I think he used on, can I say, 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to get rid of this. You want to buy it? And I was kind of like, do I want to buy the main ingredient in fucking, <laughs> what can I say, guitar sound? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think maybe I will. Um, and I, I felt like fucking, I felt like Bilbo Baggins, like stealing the ring out of Gollum's <laughs> cave. I was like, you know, like, you know, fucking ran out of DC with it. And um, so cool. like if there was ever a movie of my life, it would be the moment when I brought it back to the, <clears throat> the practice space we had up on Bellevue. Um, Tom Gorman had just gotten his Mesa Boogie amp and they shared the space. Maybe he was playing bass. No, I can't remember what the fuck. Yeah. Tom Gorman was there with a brand new Mesa Boogie. I had my Marshall half stack and <clears throat> I literally, I did that, you know, I looked at the back of the stereo chorus and there's two outputs. And I was like, huh, there's two outputs. And uh, so we, I plugged it into mine and it sounded cool. And then I was like, plugged into the Mesa Boogie too. And he did. And we're, we're kind of like huddled in front of the amps and I, he plugged it in and I fucking, I, I started playing uh, running. I remember it. Wow. Like it was five minutes ago. I played the riff to running and, um, and I remember like I was sort of stunned because mm-hmm. like it was in stereo and like, it just immediately sounded fucking colossal. Yeah. And, uh, I remember I looked at Tom and I remember Tom's face. He was kind of, his jaw was open to you. Like, holy shit, that sounds good. But then I saw his eyes kind of go like, you motherfucker, you're going to, you're like, you're going to, this is going to be your sound. Like, like he was, I could see that he was a little bit like, oh fuck, you're going to claim this as yours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I might be imagining that, but I kind of, I, I felt it. it was, it was real. Cause it was, it was, it sounded fucking incredible. You know, it was, yeah. and it was pretty much, that was the sound from then on. I was kind of, I, I kind of just like, just like the ring in the Hobbit. It, it, it was kind of a curse too. Cause I, I couldn't turn the thing off. So yeah, uh, I, you know, for every verbal assault song until the very last song we did, it was on. So I, I took some crap for being too coarsey by some of the guitar nerds, but I just felt like that was the sound. Don't fuck with it. Yeah. Um, Cause it's definitely like, it on. yeah. Cause it wasn't like that on the learn record. Like you said, um, the, no, the learn I had I had this this fucking hilarious like kind of miniature Marshall stack that I think they only sold it for like one year. It was like a it was a mini stack with like two cabinets even, but they were all like ten inch speakers. So it, it was literally like a small Marshall stack, and they're like kind of cheap and they're solid state. But I was like, well, fuck, if I can get a Marshall stack for the same price as a half stack, um, and it, it you know like as soon as he saw it. He was kind of like, oh, never seen one of these before. And <laughs> it kind of sounded, sounded a little funky and not quite right. And um, yeah, I remember the day the metalhead from Attleboro came to came down to Newport to buy it off me. I was fucking thrilled. I was like, oh, I dodged a bullet. <laughs> not stuck with the mini stack. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the trial I, record. Go ahead, what are you going to say? Oh, I, I was going to say, like, like people bug me about that guitar sound a lot and it's it's literally that brian baker's chorus and plus a marshall stack and a mesa boogie mm. and I, I also got a delay eventually that I, I think i left on really like you couldn't even hear it there's just a hint of a delay yeah but i think that i think i turned that off eventually i can't remember but it but no distortion pedals just the amps and the chorus what did uh did Brian Baker say anything about the guitar sound once you heard the record or anything? I know. 
No, I think I think I was kind of like Brian Baker's Toby Morris. Like I was like, you know, pesky little curious kids. Like, how do you do this? How do you do that? You know? Oh, I'll buy that. Look at me that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he like he was just older, and you know, like. Here you go, kid. Right. Pete, you there? I just lost you for. Supporters, but he's never been one of those like. What's that? I just lost you for a second. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, Brian's always been kind of a loose, in kind of like a loose older guy. You know, I know I saw him today. The same way, probably. I don't know. It's been thirty years since I saw that guy. Wow. But um. But. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I got the vibe from him that we were pesky younger kids. And then we were kind of married at the hip because then we go on uh, when little yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you there, Pete? This phone's cutting out. I remember playing. Oh, I'm cutting out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Let me see. Give me a sec. Let me see if my Wi-Fi phone thing is on. I don't know. My connection's pretty good. How about, how's yeah, now now it sounds really good. Yeah, it sounds good now. Um, okay. But that, but that uh, the verbal assault record, I feel like, and I told Chris about it too. I mean, first and foremost, I feel like that verbal assault, me personally, is is one of the most underrated bands. And I feel like the record, the lyrics, your guitar, the guitar sound, everything about that record was way ahead of its time. And. Um, it's one of my top top records of all. I don't care what genre. It's just in there with with embrace, as far as like a perfect record lyrically. And when I listen to it, it brings me back. And just like like you said, being there before, yeah. watching you guys practice and become this band, and then I was just so proud when the record came out. I just everything about it was just was perfect. And that tour was incredible. You guys did at least at least as a fan and a friend's perspective. Yeah, that's I I feel the same way, and I, I don't. The strange part is I don't like when I think of it, I don't like I, I feel more like a fan than, mm. than uh, like I'm just like, I mean, I'm really I'm very proud of that band. And and I've like Chris, Chris's lyrics, I feel like like the trial lyrics and on. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Actually, this is my main feeling about Roll So how the fuck did we do that at that age? Mm-hmm. you know, with the resources we had and like, where the fuck did Chris come up with this? I mean, those lyrics, they're not, to me, they're not dated. They're, they're like, they actually make almost more sense to me now. Mm-hmm. Like when we were doing them, I felt like Chris was kind of like projecting outwards about like future stuff. And yeah. now that I'm an older dude, I'm like, I mean, the, the sentiment is, it's a lot of those lyrics. I'm almost He's cut out. Yo, Pete. Pete, I lost you. Yo, Pete, I just, I, I just totally lost you. Are you back now? Okay, here you are. Okay. Damn it! I know. You started talking uh, about the lyrics. Supposedly, I'm on Wi-Fi calling. About the um, lyrics. What are you saying about the lyrics? You're saying. Lyrics were, you know, I just don't know how he came up with that stuff at such a young age. So mature, um, so mature an adult. It's crazy. Yeah. Bizarrely really so. Like, like, 
the song Heal me that would just always in my brain like I and kind of, and honestly, like not to toot my horn, but the, um, musically, like hey Pete, I can't hear you anymore. It's weird. Hey, let me let me hang up for a minute and call you back. Yeah, I'll, pa- I'll, I'll pause. I'm gonna pause it. Okay, okay. Yeah, so Pete, you you were talking about the the heel record. I mean, the, the heel lyrics. Yeah, um, yeah. Chris's lyrics. I don't know. Just in general, you know, how how did he do it? Like, how did he come yeah. up with that when he was eighteen? You know, um, and, and and I didn't. I I could have appreciated him more mm-hmm. back then. You know, I was yeah. like, I was kind of like. Kind of like, you know, that summer in, in high school when I was like, you know, am I going to go with, with, with Chris or am I going to go with this other popular kid of the band? Well, you know, when all like the Youth of Today stuff was starting, yep. I had another one of those moments with that. I was like, like there's a couple, like the few Verbal Salt works I wrote were kind of like, I was trying to like keep things in the... uh you know, I was trying to point point the band more towards like uh, youth, youth, youth crew style, you know, backstab and stuff. A little mean? bit. I, I had yeah. I had a spell where I was like I was like you know trying to trying to keep the band on that course. Yeah. And it, it you know it just wasn't the band's course and and uh you know so that song uh, more than music. Yep. I think that was, I think that was the one lyric I wrote in, in the you know the the older Verbal Assault stuff and it was you know, there's like a mosh part and, <laughs> and, and we didn't, we didn't even, you know, it got cut from trial. We were like, ah, eh, it's just not a very good song. And, and, and I think that was kind of the end of, you know, me trying to, to, um, I don't know, kind of join the, the new, new direction of things. Yeah. Um, Cause backstab lyrics is very like youth of today, youth crew style. And then the lyrics on trial are way different. They're so different, man. Yeah. Yeah, and and so like, personal and to edge. me, uh, they're always like, yeah, personal edge was the other song, yep. you know, totally like, a, <laughs> you know, kind of like, no, you, you guys, let's go this way with the band, and and you know, it just it just literally was not in the cards for Rebel Salt to to go that way. Were you a straight edge um, kid too then, or no? Yeah, yeah, I I was. I, I didn't, you know, even on that first demo tape, personal edge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was like, I was like, yeah, I do it, but I don't give a shit what you do, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so that was, you know, ninth, 10th grade, you know, I was already like, this isn't, this isn't a big enough deal for me to, you know, to not, com- you know, not check in with other people. Like that's not the deal breaker for me. Yeah. You know, you know, um, you, you, one thing I remember you did, sorry, Carp, one thing you did that I'll never forget, I don't know where I was with you, a store somewhere, I remember you telling me, you were looking at, I was looking, I had something in my hand to eat or something, and this is before I went vegan or vegetarian, and you were telling me that if something has five or less ingredients, that's okay, but anything more than five ingredients, you know, stay away from you. I'll never forget you telling me that, I don't know where the fuck that was. But it really, it really <laughs> stuck with me because you were like on some sunflower seed shit. You were on some like real, 
like I don't know. You're like, I I don't know if you're vegan back then, but you like schooled me on that, and it stuck with me my whole life, man. Like all the stuff huh. with ingredients in it, it was pretty amazing. Huh. That's I might have been fucking with you, but no, I might man, not have been. you were. Um, that's actually were. good advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's weird. My to the, that's kind of my wife's thing now. Like okay. she's she's in like the organic certification world. That's awesome. She like certifies organic farms and stuff, and and like she like that's her like holy grail is like too many ingredients in food and like processed food. She's like that's awesome. But that's really strange. You said that. Um, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. I got I got yeah. I was on the vegetarian thing early, really early, and it was it was it was it was because of Mackay. Yeah. It was um. I guess when we. We're recording Learn is when I remember it because we were all at like, it was like at Denny's. I can even remember where it was mm. and we were all eating and I think he wasn't eating or he was eating something weird, like just yeah. a salad. There's, and, um, and, and he kind of quietly kind of gave us a vegetarian talk and Chris, Chris sort of like, he, Chris wasn't having it and kind of like, <laughs> Uh, he's like, no, that doesn't make sense, and and uh, and Ian was like, yeah, it totally makes sense, and uh, <laughs> you sound like and that. they kind of they kind of had a little thing. I remember Ian bringing it up later, later, you know, years later when I was there, and, um, and I I was like fucking listening hard. I was like, yeah. oh my god, there's a new thing to be, and so yeah, so like, yeah, I don't know, if, uh, yeah, that that, that was that was kind of the deal breaker for me. It was just like, all right, fucking Ian's right about everything. I guess <laughs> yes, I'll do this. Totally. I remember my last I remember going to the fucking I can't remember the name of it. I remember having my last chicken wonton at a that Chinese restaurant right off Broadway. Wow. I was like, this is it. So this guy went by myself. I was like, this is gonna be my life it was my favorite thing in the world. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was early. I, I if I don't know if you want to get into the whole story, but no, it'll break your heart because I'm I'm, like, I'm I'm not vegan now, sadly. But um, mm, how many years did you go for? My kid, uh, I was vegan, vegan for ten years, like eighty six to ninety five ish, and then if you knew me at that time, you would have thought I was like a sickly hypochondriac. Um, mm. Turns out I kind of was. I found out later. I was, long story short, I uh, after college, I was. I just. I've been doing construction basically since '95, like yeah. full time. And after about the second year of just like doing carpentry full time in like the cold, wet, miserable winters here, I just uh, felt fucking dead. Like mm. every day, I'd come home and just like curl up in a ball, and all my joints were like miserable and no energy and um, long, uh, it's a long it's a terrible story for vegans I hate telling this to vegans because I feel like I just drove over their pet but um, <clears throat> I, I got tested for all this stuff and I'm like highly allergic to wheat soy oh, and okay. basically everything you need to be vegan Yeah. and the doctor was like yeah your inflammation levels are like higher than an old man that's had five heart attacks and uh, damn so I started eating fish and then immediately like felt kind of great and um, like all the inflammation stuff went away and 
Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But okay, but the the slightly amazing part is that just this year, both my daughters are like, "Fuck this, we're vegetarian." Oh shit! So now, like, 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 um, it's fucking 1985 again for me. <laughs> like, uh, and and I'm just, I'm kind of just eating it. I'm just like, because ethically, that's where I'm at. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I'm kind of like, well. We're all gonna die somehow. I might as well just. So I'm, I'm like, I'm strangely more vegan now than I've, I've been in a long time. It's a way easier to be now too. There's more um, options, I think, than there was back then. Yeah, but as my wife always points out, it's like all the processed stuff. Yeah, it's too much. Um, you know, it's a five ingredient thing, man. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you, you, you know? schooled me on that. Yeah. So, so I'm not vegan. I, I. I mean, I, I, I hate to tell you that. Um, nah, it's all good, man. No judgment. Yeah, and but but you but you but you educated me on that back then. So I mean, you, you got me on a good path when I was younger. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Strange, like, I mean, so the uh, well, I don't know if this even fits in. So like, what what I do now is uh, like I build these like kind of super energy efficient houses the bicycle home building yeah yeah so we're like building like the house is finished for for us is uh like it basically doesn't need heat and it makes all its own electricity uh, yeah all solar so it's a full like net zero house and we're getting rid of all the gas cars and getting electric cars so it's kind of like we're making our own gas and it's amazing man um yeah so it's and it's the exact same ethics you know you know why i'm sad i'm not a vegan you know it's like um you know just i'm really concerned about the dying planet obviously and yes yes you know and i'm I'm not i'm not a not a vegan but due to laziness it's just like I kind of, it was, and it was also when I found that out, it was during a rough spell, kind of both my folks died the same, oh, same wow, year, 20, 2011. Sorry, that's, my that's, dad that's heavy. The, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it sucks. Um, but they were like, they were, you know, they weren't together, um, but they sort of seemed like the same person at the end. They were both having memory issues and, mm-hmm. um, and uh kind of all the kind of all those like dementia related things yeah. inflammation is a huge part so when the doctor was like you know your inflammation levels are fucking crazy like you know I, i'm Scary. looking at like my old parents that aren't doing great and uh you know when i'm looking at my young kids and i'm like oh, oh i don't want to be like this for them and yeah so so it, it was you know it, it wasn't a light light decision that uh you know just something i had to do yeah how old are you how old are your daughters uh 16 and 10 awesome yeah that's fucking funny yeah my son's 16 too like he's uh he's been raised vegetarian his whole life never had meat and he's like super like about it you know what i mean like we go we go to pig vigils every week and feed the pigs at the slaughterhouses and He's getting kids to come from the school, and he's super compassionate about it. And um, 
It's just awesome. Nice. Yeah, there's a lot of kids who are like that now these days. A lot of these kids are so focused on the planet now too, and it's it's interesting yep. to see, you know. Um, so is he? Is he like? It sounds like he got him tricked pretty good. Is he rebelling in any direction, or is he just like kind of on board? Well, he. The only way he rebelled is that he found like death metal music that he never played from before. He loves like death metal and mumble rap, like the stuff that I don't like. Oh. So, he, oh. so he grew up on hardcore and punk and hip hop. Like he he knows the roots of all this stuff. But then you know, on a festival we played with Slayer like two years ago, he went and checked out Slayer for the first time. He's like, oh, this is pretty cool. But then he went to this side stage, and this band Fit for an Autopsy was playing, and he's like, oh my god, this is my shit. And so, like, oh, through Christ. that, he likes obituary and death. His favorite band in the whole world, Slipknot. I took him to go see them like a couple, oh. couple months ago. Oh God! And he loves like, and he loves mumble rap and like this crazy. No. Yeah, and I took him to see Travis That's Scott, and there was a mosh pit, and people were diving. And I, I look at my son. I've said this a million times in the podcast. I keep saying it. We saw Travis Scott, this huge rapper, at the Forum, twenty thousand people. And I'm watching from the top, and there's like all these pits breaking out, and people are diving. I go, I was like, why is there a mosh pit? He's like, why is there a mosh pit at your show? I'm like, all right, cool, fair, that's fair. <laughs> so it's like this whole cross generation yeah. of hip hop and punk rock and skateboarders. All the genres kind of mesh together, and so he's educating me on yeah. all the shit I would never listen to. Like I went and saw Slipknot, and they were super tight. Like, and the guys are super nice. They know about punk rock and hardcore. They have roots in that world too, and. He's like schooling me on the shit that I would never listen to. So that's, in a sense, that's the way he's rebelling against me, I guess, with that. Um, yeah. But I'm, yeah. That's survivable. You'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. And like, he's not, I'm vegan. My wife and my wife and my son, they're vegetarians. And so like, yeah, we do our thing. And, um, but it's interesting because he grew up around all this, all these crazy New York uncles and, you know, the Vinnie Stigmas and the John Josephs and all these people were part of his life. And like, <laughs> It's, it, 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 That's it's it's crazy like and he you know he, and now i don't know it's just i came home like two weeks ago and he's like in the in the kitchen listening to madball i'm like what are you doing he's like oh i like this song i'm like dude you be you know these guys you grew up with them you could give a shit about them and you look at was yeah but he's like i like it now i i bought it i'm you know i got off of itunes i'm like cool respect you so now he's like listening to the music of his uncles he didn't care about it a long time ago it's it's really interesting man it's very yeah, uh yeah it's cool though but um all right, so real, so so back to Purple Salt. So, wait, Trial, yep. amazing record comes out. You guys do an amazing tour on that. I remember seeing a couple of shows on that tour. Um, and so we, yeah, we, we toured we, for a long time. You did. Were you were you like not work? Were you like not doing college at that time? Were you not doing any jobs no, in between? No, me and Chris, me and Chris didn't didn't do any college for two years, and then we did. I think we both did a full year, and then. We skipped the next fall, and that was the first time we went to Europe. Okay, got you. And then, and then we did like a half year, and then, and then the next year we went back to Europe again. So, so we, we did one solid year of college, and then we kind of like we'd go for a semester in between big tours. Got you. Um, and it, yeah, probably probably should have just not gone to college, but um, um, it was just. It just already had its momentum, and and I, I was going to school in DC, so I was yeah. I was pretty psyched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember some uh, of those shows were like forgot. I mean, there was so many great shows, and I remember being able to see you guys in DC area. And I think even once I moved to New York in '88, I seen you guys out there for sure. 
Um, yeah. But like, so so after the after the trial record, and you toured on that, was it straight into the studio for the next record? On no, I remember that took a while. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was. I think that took a while, and and it was only five songs. We just didn't have all that much time. But um. But I I I think I don't know. Put enough. Five pretty good songs was fine, you know. Yeah, like, they're great. Yeah, yeah, I I, I love that that one. Um, uh, what was I going to say well, about well, that well, one? Well, Chris was saying you guys are heavily influenced by by the Quickness record at that point. Well, he was like the half times, and he was saying Quick. like, well, quick, I think maybe Eigenside. No, Eigenside. Quickness. Yeah, name. Quickness. I think we all didn't really like. Okay, it was, it was Eigenside. Like we, yeah, Eigenside was like the biggest thing that happened to that van. Like it was just we just listened to it all the fucking time. We we kind of chased the you know on tour. We would we knew where the bad brains were at, at any certain night, and we like we we made a bunch of their shows. That's awesome. I remember this one? Yeah, this one in New Orleans. We like we played in like Hattiesburg, and then like. I can just pack that up. It was like probably the only show we didn't stay and talk to everyone after the show. We just like threw shit in the van, drove back and missed the exit. And like we had to get shot all the way out past that swamp on that long causeway and turn around and come back. <laughs> and like, you know, like literally like walked in right during a fucking HR backflip. And it was like, damn, another fucking magical moment. We, yeah, I'd like bad brains was like, you know, it was like my grateful dad. Like I would yes. do anything to see him anywhere. And, Doctor, Doctor No was gonna produce trial. I think I think Chris mentioned um, that actually. Yes. Yeah, that 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 was in the works, and then they had to. You cut out, Pete. Uh, I lost you. I just lost you again. Oh damn it! So Doctor No was gonna produce. Doctor Doctor was gonna produce it. Yeah, he was gonna produce it. Um, they had the tour. It didn't work out. Probably good. Yeah, I lost you again. Ah, fuck. Now, 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 now you're back. I have a great connection, but go ahead. Um, so Doctor No is going to produce. Are you on Wi-Fi happen- calling? Uh, no, I'm, I said we connected right into my my computer through my um my focus right. It goes right into my my um garage band. Oh, interesting. Um, so um, so Doctor No. Yeah, it says I'm not on Wi-Fi calling now for some reason. Let me uh let me hang out for one minute. I'll call you right back. Okay. Doctor No was going to um, produce Trial, uh, and it wasn't. It was pretty far along, and I think they were going to Europe or something, and it didn't work out. And ultimately, probably good. Like yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it I sounds good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Chris, I think it needed it. A... <laughs> <clears throat> um, Chris was saying. Chris was saying how like he realized that you didn't have to play super fast to be powerful. And it was interesting how like you could have half times in those breakdowns and those slower songs and still get the message and still get the energy. You know what I mean? Like they, that was something interesting to him. Yeah. But by, by trial, I was, I was sort of sick of like, I was kind of sick of fast music. Like I, mm-hmm. like I, like, <clears throat> um, I, I'm a mid tempo guy. Yeah. Like, like, What's the fucking rush? 
uh, yeah, and then I kind of eventually came to love really slow shit like Melvin's and mm. like kind of slow sludgy stuff is big out out here in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. And there's 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 a band there's a bunch of good bands that made me realize I, I could have slowed way down. Um, yeah. But yeah, 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 um, yeah. I don't. I don't love fast music as, you know, yeah. like I'd, I'd rather not play too fast. Mm-hmm. And you can, you, can, um, you can feel that on the, on that shit. Like a lot of those songs, it just, but it just, yeah, worked. Yeah. It, it, it sounded like verbal assault. So it wasn't, it, 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 it was a natural progression for verbal assault after trial. I think it wasn't shocking. It wasn't like, it just was to me, it just, it was the next, it was the next way for verbal assault. It didn't sound, it wasn't like a big yeah. crazy thing. Yeah. The couple songs on on were like a, like anger battery. I yeah. thought was like it's probably our best song, and it, song. and not like just some like it like it was just kind of a magical fucking song. Like yeah. I, I don't know where that I don't know where that riff came from, but it was the summer we were we were just cliff. We were, we would all meet up early in the morning and jump off this one cliff in front of Doris Duke's house. Oh, wow. It was like a, it became like a thing. It was like a daily thing. There was like maybe eight of us. And it just became this like, almost like a, this like practice where we would just meet up. We'd run through this rich person's yard, you know, <laughs> get awesome. to the cliff and we'd jump off this cliff repeatedly. And then, then we'd all like, you know, go to work or whatever we had to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was like, um, you know, the song is kind of, ocean themed and uh and i don't think i knew that when when we were in the music i, I don't mm-hmm. you know chris would usually apply the the lyrics later but it, it that that song had something to do with that spot like okay and it even on, on the back of on it's a picture from that cliff into the water oh shit, that's right. so this okay. this was on chris's mind this was it was it became like a thing but okay. it wasn't like I don't, I don't remember it being a disgust thing, but there, yeah. it was one of those songs where it embodied like a place and, um, you know, and, and an idea. Like it just, it kind of like wrote itself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the nice. song just, you know, to me, like the song is just like, you know, literally is water washing on a rock, which is one of the lyrics, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, and that it's just, it was like a perfect verbal salt song to me. Um, yeah, and and same same with immersion, you know, another water, yeah, water island island based song. Um, yeah, that shit was those songs were fucking cool. Um, and yeah, we but we were just I remember we were just pressed for time. We were either yeah. touring or in college, and it was it was hard to. I think we all felt like we were letting ourselves down by not you know, not having an album ready, but it just mm-hmm. wasn't happening. Um, and yeah. And I, I remember that it took a while for that record to come out. So we were touring on all those songs, but no one knew them. Oh, okay. So they were, you know, and they were a little more techie and wizardly and mm-hmm. like, so I think people were like, what the fuck is this? Cause it was, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, a lot more, a lot more notes were going on. Yeah. Um, so after mm. that came out, um, how, how, did you guys keep touring on that for a little while too? He went to the next thing. When yeah, did Tiny Giants yeah, came out? Was... Tiny Giants came out between that, right? 
Yeah, Tiny Giants, Giant I love Records. That too, man. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, it was right. It was after Trial, yes, and right. it was right, right before. It was like it was like the week Darren Mock got in the band as the bass player. Okay. I remember like teaching the song like the day before, and like we had to drive way up to Boston somewhere. We, we used the same engineer from Trial. Um, but cool. we were rushed. Like we got there really late cause of traffic and we were really rushed. And then, uh, I think we played with a click track, which is why it's so slow and, and a little mm. stiff. Okay. And like, we didn't know how to play to a click, you know, yeah, we didn't yeah. know how to do it. We just wanted, we didn't want to play too fast. I yeah. think I feel like it was probably my idea <laughs> and it was a, it was a, it's not a great idea cause it, the song's really slow, but it, it's kind of cool because of that. Um, yeah. But we have we have other versions of us playing it in studios, you know, where it's more real speed. Yeah. yeah. Um but but yeah, the slow the slow version is kinda cool. And then yeah, and then we threw more of the music on there. Yeah, on there because it was our one homeless song that didn't have anywhere to go. So that kinda worked. Totally worked. And then um yeah. a- after on the on was exit, correct? Yeah, exit was the yeah that was the very very last thing we did. Um, yeah, just those three songs and that that first one, that first song, Tools and Drugs. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of my favorite songs we ever did. Wow. I don't know if I, I feel like I don't even know if anyone's ever really heard those three songs. It was kind of they didn't get out too too far and wide, but that that was one of my like that's one of the first songs we always put on if I'm going to listen to Verbal Salt. Wow. Love that song. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, so, and then is that good? Yeah, and and then just the actual title is kind of like me and Chris's directions right after. Just got into building, and Chris wrestled with some demons for a little while yeah. until he figured yeah. that out. Yeah. So it was it was just kind of strange. Another kind of Chris Jones prophecy thing. Yeah. So what year? What year did that come out? What year was that? Um... Fuck. I think 92 or 90. Yeah, I think so too. No. Before that, no? The last show was 93. And I we, I remember we played those at those last couple shows. Yeah. Yeah, those last couple. I saw I saw a video a while back of one of the last shows. And there was a lot of fucking six-minute, like, sound odyssey songs like going on. There's like, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, uh, <laughs> like, some pretty, uh, like the three minute song was out the window by then we were mm. fucking really exploring the space. Yeah. And, and, um, so after that show, what happens to everybody? So everybody, everybody goes their own way and does, cause I know you moved to Olympia, Washington, what, 94. I'm trying to figure out. Well, I moved to DC from 88 to, to 94. Okay. Yeah, I, I I moved I moved to Olympia New Year's Day, nineteen ninety four. Wow. Okay. Um, and why there? So, uh, the the school. Okay. Um, so I've been I've been doing in DC. I was in that band, Rain Like the Sound of Trains. Yep, that's right. Um, kind of hippie freedom rock jams, mm-hmm. and we toured a lot. Um, worked our butts off. The band never like you know took off. Yeah. 
it was kind of a, another musically challenging thing, I think, for a lot of people. Um, uh, but we were we were kind of wrapping up, and then we got a, some some old friends offered to book a tour in Europe, and we had already kind of decided to finish the band. Um, but we're like, well, fuck it, let's do this last tour, and it was sort of the first fun tour we did because we weren't like we knew it was our last tour. Yeah. Like all the, I don't know, all the stress was gone and it was just, it was this really, really fun European tour. Um, we played, played a handful of shows. I remember, I mean, it was a weird time. It was when kind of everyone was getting signed to yeah, major yeah. labels. Mm-hmm. Punk rock and, was breaking and shit. I remember that. Yeah. And, yeah. and we knew like, we didn't exactly have any hot offers on the table, but we knew that wasn't a direction and so I and so we knew the band was breaking up. We we're on the fun tour. I remember playing with Jawbreaker a few nights, nice. and they were right in the the fucking storm of all that. They were yeah. like getting courted, and then they were getting just trashed by everyone for even thinking about signing. Yep. Um, and I remember like they were they were fucking miserable. Like it, it was like I, I felt sort of bad for them. Like oh, you guys. I, I remember loading out indoor vans and our vans are parked right, right next to each other. I can't remember the tape, but there's one tape that we were all just fucking crazy about. Mm-hmm. And we were playing the tape and like a kind of comedy mosh pit broke out in our van. <laughs> and I remember, I remember being like upside down, like face against the glass, like, like a foot away from Blake. Blake was sitting in his chair, like looking into our van. And we were we were having a blast, and he was, he just looked like he just needed a hug, and like he's so sad and bummed. And I was oh, like, man. oh, buddy, they figured it out. Chris, actually, Chris from Jawbreaker lives in Olympia too. Oh, nice. We just we just played old guy punk rock poker a couple nights ago. Nice. Um, but but I remember I brought that moment up because I remember knowing I was going to go back, you know. I knew I was going to go back to Olympia and finish school. Mm-hmm. I was kind of turning the page, um, you know, musically kind of starting out on this new chapter. I was kind of just like tired of touring for so long. Yeah. Um, my, my ears fucking were, you know, like tonight is pretty bad. And, and, um, <clears throat> and then we got, Oh, this is an interesting story. This is, Oh, this is a fucking weird one. So we got back to, we got back from that tour we recorded our last four songs. I remember it was like a day or two before Christmas and we were recording, um, at Jeff Turner's studio, which is right next to the black cat and sunny day real estate was playing their at the time, their final show ever wow. right next, you know, at the black cat that night. Yeah. So we finished recording, went over there. We, we knew those guys, um, and saw the show. It was great. And then after the show, me, William, and Nate, William's the drummer and Nate's the bass player, we're, we're hanging out <clears throat> in the bar for really for a long time. And we, I was like, you know, I'm moving back to Olympia in like two days. And they were like, holy shit, they're, you know, this is the night their band broke up. And they're mm-hmm. like, holy shit, we should, we should start a band. <laughs> and I was like, fuck yes, we should start a band. Like, I really liked Sunny Day Real Estate a yeah, lot, and, yeah. and I, I knew Nate. Like Nate, Nate uh, jumped in the verbal assault van once, like way back, like '87. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember we drove him and one of the dudes is my best friend, you know, one of my best friends now, Lenny, we drove them to Canada because they wanted to go to that show. And I remember like pulling up to the border and I was like, you guys don't have anything weird or, you know, any strange histories. And Nate, who was like super quiet and like kind of shy, he's kind of, I just remember saying like, uh, I have an arrest warrant for throwing a cinder block through a McDonald's window. <laughs> <laughs> like right as, right as we're pulling up to the fucking, the, the border. Oh, shit. And we're like, Oh, fuck it, it didn't come up but oh, wow. but That's strange. so like like we we knew about nate for a long time <laughs> anyways we're at the black cat we're at, we're at the bar and we're starting to get like stoked about the the new band we're going to start in like three days when i get to olympia uh-huh. you know like we're getting pretty you know talking about what we want to do and how we want it to be different and and the fucking bartender comes over and he's like, are you William? And William's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, the phone's for you. And William goes off to the, you know, he kind of goes off to a quiet corner. And me and Nate are talking and William comes back and his his face is like, kind of like he saw a ghost. And, and he's like, uh, that was Dave Grohl. Uh, he wants you and me, you know, and me to be in his new band. Oh, and I was just like, shit. what? I, you know, I was, I was just like, I don't know, for fuck's sake. Holy and, shit. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, I was like, well, that's probably a better gig than I can offer you. So, um, wow. so yeah, yeah, they, they joined the Foo Fighters and then, and then, um, but me and, me and William started playing anyways. Yeah. When I, when I moved out and I sent you that stuff. Yes. It's just a little homework for you. Just yeah. to, and, um, and so we, yeah, so we, we kept playing and then, and then they were touring a lot. Um, and then William got kind of booted from the band and it was kind of a bitter, bitter split. And, oh yeah. We, um, yeah. We, that was a couple of years later. Or, yeah. I think so. Right. I can't remember the year, probably 97 yeah. ish. Um, but, but yeah, so William and I were playing and we just kind of had a, a roving cast of characters joining. Yeah, you sent Nate me the thing with the, th- the thin line and indifference in those songs you sent me. So yeah, like different people yeah. singing on them. Yeah, so we had first we had Richie come out. Richie Underdog, Richie sick, it's awesome. Richie Underdog, right? Yes, he was Richie. I knew him when he was Richie Numbskulls. Oh yeah, before that, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he came out and sang on some songs, and then my friend Jason Traeger, yep. who we mentioned before, who we who we met up with in Reno back in 86. Wow. He, he tried to, and then, uh, we just, without a, we just sort of lost steam. I was, I was building all the time and, um, and William started, I think he moved away and he was having a hard time. I think with, you know, like the Foo Fighters stuff was fucking with his head. Um, and, and so that just lost steam. And then basically, where are we? Yeah, then years 20 ago. years went by. And that, yeah. that was 98-ish. Damn. And then I kind of, I, yeah, I kind of have barely played music since? since that dried up. I played I played with my friend Lois for a while and did a few tours with her. It was kind of like acoustic-y, K-Records, kind of beautiful songwriter. Um, uh I did that for a couple of years, but that was probably done in 2001. I think you went to Evergreen State College. Is that where you went? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wound up studying organic agriculture That's and cool. some other stuff and quickly learned that I wasn't going to be a farmer. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then as soon as school was done, got a job from my organic agriculture professor's ex-wife building a little cabin. Nice. And yeah, and now fucking 20-some years later, that's just what I do. Yeah, that's amazing. And then, and then when did you become a dad? So, oh shit, 16 years ago, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 2002. And then, yeah. Is that right? 2000, yeah, 2002. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was a little slow on that. My wife was like, either you're going to do this or I'm going to go down to the docks and find a sailor. <laughs> um, how many years you guys together so, for? What's that? How many, how many years you guys together for? Uh, 95. Jesus. Yeah, 24 years. You know what's fucking crazy is that I got, I'm going to be married. Well, my son's 16 and I'm going to be married 25 years next year. So it's right next year. Married so, 25 years? Married 25 Damn. years. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Wow. Crazy, That's, man. Yeah, yeah, I fucking stoked. I got so lucky. Me too. My wife is awesome. We're very, very yeah. lucky. And 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 the building stuff. You just you just taught yourself. Were you were you always like a a handyman kind of kid? I mean, like how'd you learn that stuff? It was. I kind of blame fucking Ian McKay. Okay. He, <laughs> he, I yeah. I, I feel like he launched both of my careers. Mm. Like you know, recording learn obviously gave us a fucking huge push out the door totally and um and then when i moved to dc um how did it happen he was they were joey p the fugazi sound guy and john hansen were tearing apart the living room and then i don't know why they stopped i was going to be their helper yeah yeah yeah. and then and then they they i don't even know why they bailed they sort of (laughs) they, they both sort of bailed yeah and Ian, and Ian's like, he's like, well, <laughs> you know, it's up to you now. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I know what I'm doing. And he's like, ah, you'll figure it out. Wow. So I wound up, yeah, kind of, I, the first thing was just to kind of clear out all the shitty old wallpaper and old, old lead paint and stuff from the, the living room. Like anytime there's a Ian McKay interview and he's sitting in front of the discord, you know, at the discord table drinking tea. That's that's my uh, handiwork behind him. All that's those, crazy because I, 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 I just sat, I just did a podcast with him there, sitting at that table like two months ago. Yeah, so man, you did you that looking at shitty old lead paint because <laughs> I pulled it off of this this weird toxic goo <laughs> that I trapped in bags. It's probably that was probably the main source of my inflammation issues was that fucking paint. Mm, it wasn't the veganism; but, it was the paint chips. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> wow. so as soon as I did that, then I was the I was the one dude with like a van and tools gotcha. and then I became kind of like handyman and, and I was always doing stuff in my grandmother's house too nearby. Awesome. So then, yeah, I remember, I remember driving to Abby's, the main El Salvadoran restaurant that we all ate at near your discord house. And I remember seeing a dude driving the other way and he was like this tired looking dude with a van with like paint smears on it and like tools hanging out of it. And I was like, I remember passing and being like, oh, he's one of those like tired old carpenter dudes that drives around in the van with a bunch of fucking, you know, old pieces of wood in it. And and then I was like, oh, fuck, that's me. I'm, I'm going to be the weird old guy with tools that just drives around in the van. <laughs> um, so so yeah. we're moving there. So um, 
you love living where you live. You obviously you love living where you live. You've been here fucking for such a long time. Um, DC, we're talking about. No, I'm talking about uh, Olympia. Yeah, Olympia. Um, yeah, I. I mean, I, I wasn't planning on spending the rest of my life here, but yeah. um, yeah, just yeah, I finished school and I. I really loved it. Olympia is kind of the same size as Newport, and it's mm-hmm. kind of you know just on the water. It, it kind of immediately felt um, very familiar. That's cool. Um, like after DC, like I loved my community, but the, the city was like, I was not built for, for living. Um, I'm just not a big city person. Yeah. I, I love visiting big cities, but DC was just psychically rough. Like mm-hmm. the first year I lived like three blocks from the white house, right oh, wow. when the first Gulf Gulf war broke out, you know, Damn. and like trying to square like a young punk rock brain with like, you know, George Bush as your neighbor was fucking, it was just bizarre. It was just yeah. hard. And, um, but yeah, so I was just coming out for school and yeah, and I'm still here. Yeah. Did, did becoming a father, uh, change you in any way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Being a punk it, rock dad. Yeah, like so we text about it. Like, I feel like we have not, not, not the upper hand, but the way we, the way we came up in the communities and that we were involved in the hardcore scene definitely i think really helps being a parent i do you know yeah yeah i think i texted you the other day like like how how come all punks are good parents like the shittiest punk is a great parent i don't crazy man. there's something there's some weird thing there that needs some further studying but yeah i mean yeah being a dad like fucking changed my life it's amazing i think i was getting a little bored with myself to be honest and um (laughs) and then yeah, when I when I had that that thing where your heart kind of like doubles in size as soon as you have have a kid. Yes. Um, like that was really good for me, and I was getting I think I was getting a little sick and just like just so grumpy about the state of the world, and yes. uh, so having that new reason to like you know do good stuff and yeah. kind of live for someone else, you know, was really, it was, yeah, it was, it was great. I'm miserable now. I'm like, yeah, it's not about me. Exactly. You know, if I can keep it together for these little rascals. hundred percent. I mean, I feel like a lot of like the, um, the values we got from punk rock growing up and everything, even from the lyrics in the spider scrub, we, we instill that. I, I tried, you know, in my, in my child, you know, my son, yeah yeah i mean i mean even just i mean just like (laughs) everything being about the kids doing it for the kids for the kids like it's (laughs) fucking it's just like what the was this just like parental training was this yeah 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 so like yeah we we grew up with so many like absurdly ethical and smart Mm -hmm. forward-thinking people um it's 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 lucky. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and he, like I, I like Ian has obviously been a huge influence on me, but yeah, like music, like just like personally, like the guy like imparted so much just like day to day wisdom and um, 
I mean, like stuff like, you know, when, when my grandmother was kind of on her decline, he's like, yeah, man, just go spend, that's all you gotta do. Just go spend time, you know, and just like, just be there. Who said that? You said Ian? I lost you again, Pete. Spend time with him. You know, that's all you can do. And I don't know. Fucking, it just, he gave me so many of those little gems. gems and Yeah. 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 Do you, um, just, um, yeah. Do you consider yourself an optimist or pessimist? I mean, I pretty much know the answer to that. <laughs> do you? Yeah. I, yeah. We didn't get into the, we didn't get into the dark shit. Um, <laughs> Uh, You've always I, been like a positive, focused person, though, from what I see. Yeah, I want shit to work out. It's been a rough fucking spell, though. Um, mm. Yeah, the, I mean, obviously, the whole fucking Trump chapter has been a yes. psychic clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Um, the that the, the, like I don't know if I can fucking deal with this. Like I was, I was losing my shit, and um, and he's like. He's like, you know, I'm pretty sure he's just, just like doing psychological warfare. He's just like, it's just like, honestly, you know what it all is. You just need to kind of not focus on it and, you know, be there for the big stuff. But yeah, like I have a tendency to like read every article about every motherfucker that's in the cabinet and like, you know, mm-hmm. I know more about the Stephen Miller motherfucker I can even get into and uh, you read the whole and, thing on and like, yeah. Oh, I know, I know. I was onto that fucking guy for a while, um, but uh, so it, I was like, yeah, I, I, I quickly identified it, but it was just like psychological warfare on you know decent people everywhere, That's true. and it, and uh, and it, and and so it crushes me when I veer in that direction and have to fucking deal with it. Um, but then, you know, things are great. Um, you know, I like what I do. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'm um, a dark side that I'm on high alert, I think is what it is. Like, um, I can hate Nazis, man. I just fucking hate them. Yes. Uh, and and I've always it's it's always been a concern of mine. <laughs> yeah. So to be alive right now and and uh, and have them, you know, just to have that segment of the human population kind of ascendant is a shitty backstory that I constantly wrestle with. Um, yeah, for sure. But but I mean. Any old dad will probably tell you that the younger generation is just fucking pretty cool. Really cool. They seem like like they're not getting steeped in a lot of the bullshit we were. The news. I'll I'll get into that that kind of fake reality that you know. I get that, and my brain is just wired to kind of navigate the bullshit reality with what's uh, with with what's actually real. Yeah. And uh it seems like like the younger generation just doesn't, you know, they know fucking women are equal. They know, yep. you know, racism's bad. They okay. 
like they're starting at a different place. It's like skateboarding when like you see a young kid doing crazy flippy spinny trick. They start at a different place, you know? Yeah. Like you probably can't do kickflips. Nope. But and anyone that skates now, that's the first thing they learn. They're just like, badoosh. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> so true, my son. So the, yeah. So then, so I'm like crazy Smith Grind kickflips mm-hmm. where, you know, our generation couldn't even think of them. Yeah. That's a pretty good freaking closer. It's a really good closer. <laughs> um. Yeah. Do, do, do uh, yeah, well, I have one more might be a hard answer for you, man, because I always ask people, but do you have any regrets? Huh. Regrets. Huh. It's, yeah, some people say no. I mean, some people are like, eh. God, I'm sure I, I probably have a bunch of, like, irritating little ones. Yeah, um, but nothing that's, like, major. Ma- like, major, like, big regrets that I would talk about on my deathbed. Hmm. I, the only, the only thing that comes to mind is like, sometimes I wonder if like, I'm like a, like now I'm like a builder. I just build stuff all the time. Yeah. And it's really cool. Really satisfying. And I'm, and I'm doing like stuff that ultimately, um, but sometimes I, wonder if I'm supposed to be doing something else too like some other like when I moved to DC I was just studying political science political philosophy yeah I thought that was my path and quickly I was like ah this sucks um I thought I I, I had this this itch that that's just not scratched like maybe I should just join the city council or do some fucking some other, some join, join the what? <laughs> I don't know, like city council or fucking oh, congressman yeah, yeah. or fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. like there's there's like this part of me where I'm like I like us maybe gone that route yeah a little bit, but I would hate it. I would fucking hate it. Building shit is really satisfying and it's, it's still kind of fun. It's kind of like being in a band. I have like like me and three or four dudes hanging out every day. We still have vans. That's awesome. You know, yeah. I can it's basically talk about music all day. Um, you miss playing music live? Uh, I've, it's weird. I've just been kind of noodling around lately. Um, like, I, I really, like, when the kids showed up, my my first daughter, I thought it would, oh, this will be great. I'll play music and she'll love it. And she fucking hated it. She was like, as soon as I play guitar, she would crawl over and, like, slap it and be like, no, you know, Damn. focus on me. And uh, and then she would, you know, then she would knock it, you know, she'd knock it over the cat's guitar. So I just kind of put it away. Yeah. And I, I, bu- I built our first house like 18 years ago, and then and then we got pregnant again. And then I was bagging on. I've been in this constant cycle of, you know, building our house. Yeah. It feels like for like 20 years. And honestly, the guitar is just got. I just kind of pulled them out recently and started fucking. Dusting off the old wrist. I know. Um, Chris, Chris had mentioned there's, there's a possible maybe that there could be possibly in dude. the future, you know, a show. Who it's knows? kind of on him. If, if he can still do the trial screen, then 
then we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, honestly, I could probably just hold up like a picture of like Mitch McConnell in front of him and he would fucking do the trial screen right away. Mm. That might, that would definitely Chris hates, not, Chris, Chris hates Nazis too. <laughs> we, I, yeah, I think we all hate him. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah he, he said he said it's a possibility that yeah, like, that could be possible, you know, down the road. There, there's there's been murmurings, but um, but yeah, it, it would it would take a lot. But and I, I, honestly, I, like it wasn't even a, it wasn't on the radar. There's been murmurings, um, and it honestly sounds really fucking fun. Yeah. And fun. It, it sounded like nostalgic, and I'm, I'm just not a nostalgic person. But I've had um, that dog, dude. Um, I've had like in the last couple of years, I've had so many like joyful moments at reunion shows where I was like, if you could bring some form of pleasure to old grumpy punks, maybe you should do it. I mean, I, I... like the <laughs> go ahead. The the jawbreaker played in Olympia, and like. It was like I was fucking, I, I was fucking weeping a couple times. I was oh, wow. so happy, and and uh, and they like raised like fifteen thousand dollars for the night that Chris, the bass player, actually works at, and it, it was just so fucking sweet, you know. That's awesome. And um, there's been there's been a bunch of those. Even when when Fred came through, um, actually, yeah, Fred and Kristen played a couple weeks ago, and it was like it was totally heartwarming. Yeah, to see my friends playing music. It, I'm not. I'm not like wedded to like the concept of my old bands now. It's just like it's actually just playing music with people you like, and yeah, not a big fucking deal. Um, but for for a long time it was. I was like, oh, we don't. You know, early on, me and Chris were like, we'll never do it. And it was really just because like back in '88, like the Descendants would reform and they'd do, and it didn't seem cool. It was. I don't know why I said the Descendants. That was just the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. Like these old bands would like show back up and it, we're like, oh, they're just doing it for money. They, they should be murdered. <laughs> and uh, we were just busy. And, you know, now like seeing like old friends play great music is like, that's really fucking good for me. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, if, if, if Chris could pull it off and, like I know the other, you know, Doug and Dale would do it in a fucking second. Yeah, yeah. And those guys are fucking. They still just like fucking jam all the time. They're just like constantly playing music. Still. Yeah, it's quite incredible. Saw, yeah, Doug, Doug, and Doug Ernest and um, Doug Ernest and um, Boofish came to my show in Boston a couple months ago. It was really awesome to see them. And then oh, nice. And I saw Boofish the other night. Youth of Today played out here. I saw Boofish. Was I in saw town. that picture. Yeah. I saw that picture and was like, I was almost fucking. I was like, ah, oh, it's fucking kill to be there. Yeah, it was really cool. It was good seeing him out here and um, catching up, everybody telling their stories and stuff. And but yeah, yeah. If, if, if VA ever plays, I, I told Chris and I'm gonna tell you I need to know in advance, and I'm gonna because wherever, wherever it is, I will be there. And and, and it's probably emotional experience for me too because I haven't seen you guys in so long, and I know what those songs meant to me and still do. And I listen, still listen to that record. It just it brings you back Dude, to the I, time in your life, you know. Yeah, I have a fucking picture of you at the top of those basement stairs, just fucking like, you know, fucking just staring at us. Like, I gotta see that. You do. <laughs> That's awesome. I gotta, I'm gonna send you this Thrasher thing. Picture this Thrasher, and then also like of you skating, and then like everybody getting their haircuts too. I'm gonna send you some photos. Like, send me anything you got. I, I have nothing. I have one. I have like one good skateboard picture of me. 
Okay, yeah, but front side air doing it on somebody's ramp. I forgot what fucking where it was, but um Oh shit, we covered a lot of things, man. We covered a lot of shit on here. I'm trying to see my note. I got so many notes. Um Yeah. If I think of more things, I'm yeah. sure I'll get back on the phone. But um I wanna thank yeah. I wanna thank you for you know everything you contributed to um to music, to this part of the soundtrack of my life. Like I said, being a hang hang out with you guys when I first moved to Newport and and the Jones's house and all that and um yeah, I mean verbal salt. I have a verbal salt tattoo, and uh, it was a big, just a big impact on me, you know. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I'm <laughs> so fucking. I'm just so glad we were all there. Like, I don't even. Yeah. I don't feel like I did anything. I just feel like I was like part of the magical fucking bus ride. Mm. Yeah. It's, but it's, uh, you, you made yeah. you, you made some music that really. Uh, inspired so many people and continues to inspire people and you know what i mean and there's people still just finding out about verbal salt now like almost 30 years later that's what's amazing about the internet the one positive thing is that people can just yeah find that stuff now um yeah yeah yep. yeah I, yeah i don't know how we did it i'm glad we did it i'm glad you were there you're fucking hilarious <laughs> um oh i forgot to ask about your brothers but uh We'll oh, yeah, catch up do, on that later. Well, I mean, they do. Yeah, my brother Todd plays. My brother Todd plays in the Offspring, and my brother, my brother Tracy. Oh, really? My brother, yeah, he's, the, yeah, he's been in the Offspring for ten years. He was playing like backup guitar, and what? then, yeah, and then they, and then they fired their original bass player. My brother became a full time member about two months ago as the bass player of Offspring. Holy shit! I ran into Noodles. Oh yeah, yeah. In, in fucking Costa Rica. Oh wow! Random. He That's was like, awesome. like the the one like interesting vacation I've I I took like almost in my life. Like there was one day I just, we walked in this little like tiny like cabana restaurant thing, and it was it was just noodles sitting there. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? And, and he he remembered the Las Vegas show. It was really when they opened really up for Verbal Salt. That's crazy, man. Yeah, That's so fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Both my brothers have kids, and my mom lives out here. All of us are in Southern California. My brother Tracy has been in the like working at Panavision. He works like for movie behind the scenes shit for like over twenty years, and so um. Wow. Yeah, we're all in SoCal. I, I, I yeah, for homework, I listened to the first podcast with your mom. And oh, awesome! Fucking, I kind of had something in my eye, parts of it. Yeah, it my mom. Really, thank you, man. My it was really sweet. Thank you, man. Um, she's. I can see where the the freaking she's no slouch on the storytelling. No, she's not. She's a she's a fucking firecracker. She is, man. She's still she's that thick Boston fucking accent. Oh, um, I, I heard. God. I heard occasionally, like if if your mom, I think it was like if she got a little sad. I swear to God, your voice would tilt a tiny bit back to like mm. fucking New England accent. A little bit. You, I, I heard it like three times. <laughs> like you kind of veered over to like kind of, kind of grab her and like, you know, it, like I heard it. I think I think I heard it a couple times. Um, yeah, but that, that was really sweet. And just the part where I can't remember exactly what she said, but you know, like it seemed like her main goal was just to like teach you guys to just be fucking be kind just to care about people. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And and it was kind of it. It was like. Yeah, I think that's kind of what my mom was after too. You know, mm-hmm. like, like the, the kind of, like the quotes I pass on to my kids from my mom. They were they're all in that direction about you know, 
like not making jokes. You know, respectful. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it just kind of, kind of got me. Yeah. My mom's you a know, real, yeah. She, she, she did a lot raising three boys. I mean, she, Fuck, man, we moved right yep. to we moved right to Newport after that happened. We literally like yeah. soon after he died, we moved there because she got a job out there. And um, fuck. yeah. Oh shit! What, to, to, yeah, to, I didn't. Go ahead. We gonna say? Oh, uh, I I, just, I didn't exactly know that kind of deeper Morse history. So yeah. it was it was interesting, and it it kind of made sense. Like, you know, it's like me and you both kind of moving into for like every afternoon for a couple of years like a hundred percent like yeah it was just kind of like daycare for it was like a real yeah. home with like both parents and like super yeah it was just yeah um yeah. okay final thing fuck i just i forgot we'll be your top five top five influences you think it could be anything top five influences in your guitar life guitar influence doesn't matter whatever it is oh. yeah whatever um uh, i'll I'll put Mackay. I knew, I knew it had Mackay. Yep. You know, Has fucking be, guy. Man. Uncle Ian, dude. Yes. Um, yeah, just, yeah, I already went over all those reasons, yeah. but, um, what a fucking dude. Um, uh, I'll go mom. Yeah. My mom was, was huge. She was really fucking cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like I should do a couple musical influences, but they're pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go Joe Starr. Awesome. Like a Sonic, Sonic grandfather, just so much like one of those guys that makes more sense to me the older I get, yeah. you know, and his older, you know, the Mescalero stuff. Yeah. Don't, don't sleep on that, man. I heard some of that shit later on too. It was really good. You you are you are totally right. I I honestly listen to that more than the Clash nowadays. Wow, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of losing. Um. So Ian, Joe Strummer, your mom. Yeah, top three. That's great. Yeah, that's fucking. That's awesome, man. Yeah, Ian. De- Ian was definitely in my top. Him and Kevin. Him and Kevin seconds father figure types for me for gotta, sure. Man. I gotta give a shout out to Kevin. Kevin. Kevin and Ian were sort of like my cool uncles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or like my my cool gay dads or something. They were mm-hmm. like the kind of big two. Like Kevin, he really put the mittens on our hands and kind of pushed us out the door. That's why. That's why Ian recorded us. Yeah. Okay. Got you. I think, you know, because Ian wasn't recording bands from out of town was his thing. And I think Kevin was like, oh, come on, just fucking do it. That's cool. That's and cool. So when, awesome. I, when I call, like when I called it, when Kevin's like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, okay. Like, I remember the day I called Ian fucking so vividly. I remember like going up to my mom's room using the green dial phone, like <laughs> fucking, like, you know, dial like 703. Two, four, mm-hmm. and then I would chicken out, like a start over, and then like <laughs> finally did it, and I picked up the phone, and like I'm sure my you know my voice fucking cracked, like oh hey, you know, <laughs> and it, and he was like you know he was like kind of grumpy, but like we made a date. He sent me he sent me the note I think from that phone call. Oh wow, yeah, he's you know he's like a maniacal, saved, like he has, yeah, yeah he saved everything. Yep, he sent me. 
he sent me that note with the recording dates. It was like November 28th, you know, through the 30th or something was like the window. And he fucking, he found that note from that phone call and sent it to me. He was fucking Wow, dude. Yeah. He's got, he's, this yeah. Discord's like a museum. I've been there several times hanging with him and just like, just the tour and everything's in this. It's so much history in there, man. It's insane. Man. Yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't been there since he started doing all the archiving. Archiving. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I can't wait. What, what like a pure, what, like in the dictionary of like a pure punk rock DIY, if it had to be a human to be him, like he, everything about him is just so real, and even to this day, is ex- living the exact same way. It's it's unbelievable, man. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yep. He picked, yeah, he basically picked his path when he was like seventeen years old, and it's just been like, yeah, it's fucking amazing. Incredible. Um, yeah. What are you gonna say? What were you gonna say, Pete, about Ian? Oh, you were gonna say something. I, I pulled back. It's all good. Well, I guess we ended on Ian, that Ian McKay is awesome, and you're the first person ever on this podcast to say McKay, not McKay, because you know how to say it. Um, oh come on, people! <laughs> that's on that's on like 1984 fucking stuff. True. Um. Oh, well, well, thank you for your time. This is fucking awesome. Glad we get to catch up. I haven't seen you in so many fucking years. I hope to see you someday yeah, soon. Yeah, you know. Fucking great to talk to you, Toby. Let, yeah, come, uh, come visit. I love to, man. It's beautiful up there, man. I know that. Yeah, it's yeah. The like, you have a great place to stay here. Like, and bring fucking bring the kid, bring bring the whole family. It's like, like the house is crazy. It's like, it's like a summer camp. Oh wow. There's like fucking canoes and this crazy park right next to it, and it's pretty cool. It sounds awesome. But yeah, you guys send yeah. some pics. I'm gonna say I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through my photo albums this weekend. I'm gonna send you some uh, classic shots of you. Yeah, send me those. Yeah, you can see if, if you look up bicycle home building. Um, I, I kind of stopped putting photos on the website because because I just hate work. Um, just I want I want to be a rec, like hard to find. Um, but there's okay. new there's photos of the, the new shit on Facebook. The, okay. there's a Facebook page with cool photos. Okay, awesome. Yeah. All, All right, right man, Toby, man. love we'll, you, man. Love you too, brother. Thanks for your time, man. Great talking to you. Okay. Yep. Talk Bye. soon. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.